Hey everybody, it's Dean. Just breaking in real quick before we get to the show today. Oh, do I have some fun news. Ah, <laughs> That's my gloating laugh. So you're going to hear at the end of this episode that Jessica proclaims herself the winner of the Deadpool. But oh no, no. John Marginson laid it out pretty clearly for me after we were done recording that Jessica is wrong and I'm the winner of the Deadpool because Ramsey Snow died first, which gave me more weight in the scoring system. All her people died in the last episode. Come on, you can't just win in the end like that with one explosion. So she's the worst and I'm the best. She's the worst, I'm the best. She's the worst and I'm the best at Deadpools for Game of Thrones. LSG Media presents a Game of Thrones podcast. Welcome back to the Game of Thrones podcast, ladies and gentlemen. I am Dean. I am joined by Jessica. And together, we're going to be talking about the season finale of Game of Thrones. Pay no attention. Jessica's knocking everything over in the studio, and it's getting picked up on the mics, which is par for the course tonight. Well, we'll get into that in a second. We are recording this live on Mixler. That's Mixler.com slash LSG dash media. Mixler.com slash LSG dash media. And they're having all kinds of lagging issues tonight, ladies and gentlemen, and I don't know why. But of all nights, our Game of Thrones finale, you cannot be lagging on us, guys. Get your shit together. Get your shit together, Mixler. All right, mm-hmm. enough about that. I complained pre-show plenty about them. Normally, they're great. Don't get me wrong, but come on, guys. I don't know what's going on. Is this a British company? Does have to do with them leaving Europe? What the fuck's your problem? Get your shit together, God damn it. But um, I don't know. I made all that up. It's all conjecture, and uh, I'm going to say allegedly to all of that. So don't sue me for slander. So we're here. The, 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 the finale has come. The finale has gone. We waited a long time for it, and we have plenty to talk about tonight. I'm very excited to talk about this episode. Jessica, why don't you tell these wonderful people exactly some very early initial impressions? I loved this episode. Boosh. I loved it. When we were watching it, we were watching it with friends of ours, and there were points when we were standing up, points when we were actually clapping, cheering. It it was incredible. Um, I have a favorite episode of Game of Thrones, and it's been my favorite episode of Game of Thrones for a while, and I will have to wait and see if this stands the test of time, but I think that there could be a battle here. That That's how much I like this. Mm, it was great. Mm-hmm. There is... There are, I, I, in memory, there's not many episodes of television that I've watched that I've enjoyed this much. But the whole time I was watching it, do you know what I was wondering? What? The one thing I will say about this episode, the whole time I was wondering, who the fuck did Negan kill? You know? God, me too. I was really wondering if maybe Game of Thrones was going to shed some light onto that mystery that's been gripping the nation. But alas, they didn't. They went on and just said, you know what? We're not going to give you a stupid cliffhanger. We're actually going to tie up our plot lines and introduce some new ones. And we're going to refrain from fuckery as much as possible. So, hey, Walking Dead, take a quick lesson because you should do that. Just saying. All right. But uh, that is probably one of the most satisfying things about this episode is, is there was no bullshit. And they teased bullshit. Oh, boy, did they tease bullshit. It was going to be riots in the streets. White people, you know, hooting and hollering and tearing off their shirts 
and screaming, damn you, Benioff and Weiss, damn you, and shaking their fists at the heavens. If we didn't see that wonderful cut from the baby to Jon Snow, the heritage, all that shit, they could have, they could have been assholes and not told you. And they were hinting like they weren't going to tell you, right? They had that little baby up there. So great mm-hmm. job all around. Sapochnik, I mean, good Lord, man. This guy. Can you stand this guy, Jessica? Can you stand this man? Oh, good Lord. He's good. He's fucking great. And the score was ridiculous. Raman Jawadi, I believe, is the man who does it. If I'm mispronouncing that, I apologize. He is from Germany. I tell you, those Germans, good at soccer or football for you English hooligans and good at music, at least composition, right? Him and Hans Zimmer? I don't know. It was just pretty awesome. Not bad. That's all I have to say about the music. It was insanely awesome. Uh, And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about a lot of shit. And we're going to get right to it. But if this is your first time here, what the fuck you've been waiting for? But welcome. How you doing? Come on in, sit down, put your feet up, take your pants off, keep your undies on, and uh, have a drink. Yeah. Next... We're going to give initial impressions. Oh, wait, we just did that. Then we're going to make our way through the episode, explicate, as it's called. And then we will do some listener comments and some some big news. We've got a winner, a winner, Mm -hmm. winner, chicken dinner. I'll have to eat every fucking chicken here. Um, The hound. The hound. We have a winner for the Thrones Deadpool. Uh, which we're going to get to as well. And then we're going to get out of here with some final thoughts. And listener comments. Listener comments I mentioned. Oh, sorry. We got I was a too lot busy of... looking at my hound toy. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Wondering if he's anatomically correct. Oh, I'll um, check it out. Don't you worry. <laughs> but yeah, I, um, I'm excited about this. I, I'm, I'm, I've been looking forward to it. And we're going to just get, we're going to get cracking here. I just want to let everybody know too that I, um, I'm wearing a House Stark t-shirt. I am drinking out of my brand new LSG Media Game of Thrones podcast mug for the first time. I have not drank out of this thing yet until this very moment, and I am drinking wine out of it. And I have the bottle next to me, so I don't have to get up when I need more. I am wearing Umbro shorts. (laughs) (laughs) No shoes, no socks. Just like the High Sparrow. Stop right there. My feet are not dirty. And I'm wearing a shirt that he would never wear, by the way, because it'd be some like idolatry to him. I'm wearing my brown coats t-shirt, which shows the independent flag on here. So that's a good one. I wear that one often. And uh, it's kind of my podcasting shirt. It's my go-to uniform. And uh, I have a fucking protein shake. I need water. I'm going to die. I have water too, but I'm not going to drink it probably. You know what? It's time. We've set the stage. We need to get cracking. And we're not going to bury the lead this week. We're going to go right to King's Landing. Yeah, we fucking are. And we're going to talk all kinds of shit. Are you ready? Good Lord. I'm so excited. Ooh, I'm excited too. So the opening shot of Cersei looking at the Sept of Baelor is wonderful. Silence. Not even music at this point. There is no dialogue for a while. And I think that is probably the, the, the mastery in the dark beauty, I guess is the best way to say it. There is a dark beauty here that is unrivaled. I mean, you can watch cinema and not invoke these feelings. You know, cinema and film have the disadvantage of you not being invested in characters for 60 episodes. This mm-hmm. is one of the advantages that TV has, but one of the disadvantages that it has is production value, at least traditionally. Now we're seeing that something like Game of Thrones is able to take the strength of a film budget, obviously not as much, so I understand that, but as well as 
the character depth and the way they've built these characters up for so long. And they're able to deliver the story to you in a way that is just something we're not used to. And I tell you what, the bar keep, keeps getting raised for television. It keeps getting raised. Uh, and, and it just, it's, it's uh, incredible to watch. And this is artistic. The artistic merit of this open is amazing. We start with these soft piano sounds. And it sounds like to me, especially as it picks up and ramps up. Now, I'm not positive. But it sounds like to me that this is a, it picks up on some of the motifs from the intro. There's a lot of that motif in it, and it's drawn out over longer amounts of time with a different tempo and obviously in a different key. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of the progressions on these piano notes have a minor progressions, which means it sounds dark and weird. So it's like they're taking the opening song as this motif and they're sticking it in here and it's fucking great. And you can really hear it when things ramp up, uh, when, when we get the organ that comes in this, there's so much to talk about with just the music alone. You have, you have these moments where the kids, you have that, that it's like these kids singing when they go after the pie cell. And then you have this big church organ, big church, big open organ noises when Lancel gets stabbed. So the kids match the choir, Right, the, the the religious man meets his doom while the church organ is playing. It's fucking so good, and I apologize for flating it as hard as I'm going to. Good lord! But it is incredible. It's hard to. Can I just say this? Mm-hmm. In 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 the way the music starts is when the doors open. Boom! The doors open and the music starts to the sept. It's hard to take a scene like this and to give it a sense of impending dread. In anxiety, and it is almost immediate. Uh, the style of music is very reminiscent of Philip Glass to me, very like minimalistic piano stuff. It makes me think a lot of, for anybody who watches it, um, The Leftovers. The music from The Leftovers sounds very similar to that. 100%. The very haunting piano. It, it really, really had that same feel to me. Very dark, very sad. It is, Absolutely. And there's a, that because of the tempo, because of the recurring motif, because of the, uh, the way the notes progress and repeat, um, it creates, that might be called ostinato, I don't know, but it, it causes a sense of anxiety, a driving movement forward that you're sitting there thinking to yourself with cold sweat. There was, there was an inevitability to the music and to the way it was shot that made you think that Cersei is going to do this and it's not going to be stopped. So it's odd. You know, episode nine, we said, was predictable in that we kind of figured what was going to happen, but it was still intense. There was almost this inevitability that the Sept of Baelor was going to be destroyed. Mm-hmm. It was not going to be stopped. And I feel like the, the music really perpetuated that. Yes. I feel like it really said, guys, prepare yourselves because this is going to happen and there is no stopping it. So, sorry, enjoy these tunes while we go forward. And it's just like this third act of uh, some kind of Shakespeare. This, everyone's dying, and you can see it, and it's just inevitable and unstoppable. And that was incredible. Not, it was, it was different than the Red Wedding. The Red Wedding was a, 
hmm, why is Bruce Bolton wearing chainmail? And then an explosion of murder. Like a just shocking, A shocking, unexpected, unexpected murder spree. This is unexpected, but not in the same manner because Correct. I, as we all see my predictions here that I made last week, I said this was going to happen. Let me tell you, people at my work today were patting me on the back. Good work, Jessica. You're very smart. Wow. How about that? I know I am. <laughs> um, also, I feel like they really kind of, they were smart. They told us it was going to happen, but you were still like, no. Because it's but unprecedented. Yes. It's barring an attack in this show, you typically don't see mass murder of people. It's not a common occurrence Correct. For, ma- for the mass murder of nobility, especially when you're in the security of your own place. That's what made the Red Wedding so shocking. It was weird. It started to take an odd turn, the Red Wedding. Roose Bolton's wearing chainmail. Catelyn gets an oh shit look on her face. Q reigns of the Castamere and then chaos. In this... It is similar in that you can't really say that it wasn't wholly unexpected, but it's so brazen. It's it's so fucking brazen to to whole scale murder all of these main characters. So unceremoniously too. Absolutely. Which is always different. Yes. There's always something different between, you know, Rob Stark dying as he's watching his pregnant wife being stabbed and Catelyn making this big show before her yes. throat is slit. And this, where literally you're looking at Marjorie and Laura staying next to each other. And Marjorie's like, we got to get out. And the High Sparrow is just chilling. And everybody dies without a last word. Yes. It, it's, it's, it, it took watching it twice to finally like really get to the point that, oh my God, like we really, I mean, we wiped out the fucking Tyrells. We, we lost all of these Faith Militant. We lost God only knows who else who from King's Landing. It, it, it was just incredible. It, it was so incredibly powerful and tragic and dark and oddly admirable. It, 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 there's so many emotions that run through you when you see the, the the willingness of Cersei to do such a thing. There's such a weird thing going on with this episode that it's so shocking and so absurd to lose this many characters in such a, as you say, Jessica, unceremonious and quick manner that it goes, it puts you, it pushes you right into shock. You don't have time to process it. Exactly. There's nothing crazy going on. And you wonder to yourself, holy shit, they just killed all of these characters. It's unprecedented and wonderful. I agree. It, it was unlike anything you've really seen. And somebody in the chat reminded me too, yeah, Kevin Lannister, he's he's dead too. Uh-huh. I, I totally didn't even think about that because I'm still processing everybody else who has died. Um, I think somebody wrote like there were eight named characters who died in that scene plus 200 other whatever. That's crazy. Right. And and plus, you know, we lose Tom and as well a little bit later, which I know we'll talk about in, in more detail. But I guess lips. maybe we should talk a little bit about yeah, let's go through the it. opening. Let's go through it. So this is what I loved about the opening. And I, I watched all the, you know, after the show stuff on HBO and they're behind the episode stuff. And they said they wanted this simplistic, like, okay, we're all getting ready. We're getting dressed. It's very minimalistic. It's very quiet. Everyone's getting ready to start their day. People are doing these simple mundane things that they're never going to do again. And I think it's it's fascinating. I, I think this is so, I don't know. It's like beautiful the way this yes. is done. It, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And as we're watching this happen, as it's quiet, as the music builds, as we go through and it's, it's everybody getting ready, getting ready, getting ready. Pycelle banging a whore. Right. Well, um, that was a little awkward. Yeah, everyone's putting on their beautiful ceremonious clothes and then this fuckhead's putting on his potato sack, right? And then a little child is like, hey, 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 come with me. 
Well, there's nothing that terrifies me more than children that murder people. <laughs> um, I don't know if it's because I read too much Stephen King when I was a child, but when I see murderous little children, I have nightmares for weeks. Mm. Terrifying. You don't know when a child is going to turn to murder. And if they do, it's pretty fucking scary. Pretty scary. And this episode is a great um, representation of that. Yes. So this music starts out minimally with piano, but then the strings start to swell. Uh, we have we have strings playing along with the piano. Your Grace, the trial will be getting... Oh, wait, he speaks like this. Your Grace, the trial will be getting underway soon. First line of the episode, by the way. Yes. Old Rubber Lips is just chilling. And then we have uh, Cersei getting her outfit, Pycel getting on his fancy chains and uh, not paying the whore her money. Rude. She's never going to get paid now, as I believe somebody said in the comments on Facebook. I'll tell you what. Yeah, she she probably got... You think she got out of there? I hope, I, I, I pray for the horse. I horrors. hope that whore made it, but I don't think so. I pray for the horse because I got to tell you, at least you're trying to make an honest living. I pray for the horse. And I'll tell you what, Pycelle's lucky because whoever her pimp is, and let's be real, she has one, guys. It's Westeros. Whoever it used her, to be Littlefinger, who, but he's who, gone now. He's busy trying to bang Sansa. Whoever, we'll get there. Let me, okay, let me rephrase. Whoever acting pimp is in his stead, whoever de facto pimp is, well, Littlefinger is gone, is going to be pissed off because you know what? You can't, you, you John, the John's got to pay. Okay. If the Johns don't pay, you set a precedent that we can just come bang your girls and then we're going to fuck around. You got to protect the girls. So my guess is Pycelle was not long for this world anyway. After pulling that stunt, you can't do that shit. That is for sure. You can't not pay the horse. That's bullshit. Come on. It's fair trade. Keep it rolling. So Pycelle gets stopped in the hallway, as you mentioned. Loris is led into the sept and change. The high sparrow starts his bullshit. And uh, he starts to talk to Loris. And Loris says, you know what? I'm going to do something a little bit different than Cersei. <laughs> Cersei's like, well, I don't need a trial. And I'm going like, to literally murder everybody. Loras <laughs> is like, I don't need a trial either. I'm going to confess and bend the knee. Cersei's like, well, I don't need a trial anyway because I'm going to just blow up the whole fucking trial. <laughs> so there's that. I like a couple different approaches here. So Loras confesses to his crimes, buggery, right? I can't roll fuck my guys. fucking eyes. Right. Let's not forget what he's on trial for, ladies and gentlemen. All you fucking high sparrow sucker offers. There are those? No, I'm just talking shit. Oh, okay. Can I'm I, like, wait, someone likes the high can sparrow? You, can you let me invent enemies that I can rant against, Jessica? God damn it. Right. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, he's he's confessed. He's, he's putting Laurel, Loris on trial for profligacy, which I had to look up, which is just wasting money. And uh, in, in fucking and guys. Gay. Yeah, he's fucking guys. So basically, he's like every single person in Dorne. Yeah, but don't and worry. he likes to spend money, which so does the fucking crown. They're in debt to the Iron Bank of Bravo. So if anybody forgot that. Yes. So Loris unburdens himself. He wants to serve the seven. He wants to be, quote, a living example of their grace. The High Sparrow cautions him. You know what this means? No more shoes, <laughs> which to a gay dude is a tragedy, I think is what he said. That's pretty discriminatory from the high sparrow it's pretty accurate i don't think though. all gay people like he's shoes. like i gotta give him my fabulous shoes all right i can give up the fucking guys but the fabulous shoes is really pushing my pushing my limits here of self-discipline by the way i know loris is a little dirty but i do like his short hair he's still super handsome to me just yeah. want to throw that right out there yeah he's, he's not handsome. my boyfriend he's too young you know what i noted when he spoke great voice we need more of that golden voice well, we're not going to get it because he's blown up into a million pieces. Well, he's ash on the ground. He was, he's dead forever. As soon as he bent his knee to the high sparrow, he was dead to me. So His name fine. in real life is Finn, which is adorable. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Just, just throwing it out there. The high sparrow asks if Loris will fight to defend his faith. In other words, he's 
So the high spiral was like, yes, we're about to recruit the most baddest faith militant of all time. Oh no, that's going to cut short because Cersei didn't want to play by your reindeer games. I don't think that's a quote. Play your reindeer games? That's the quote. So they carved some shit on his head like Charlie Manson did. and uh, Which, by the way, you can tell was not part of the deal because Marjorie will say this later. Um, she says Loras was mutilated and Mace Tyrell is really upset. Want me to do Mace? I've been rehearsing this all day. Go. His face. I can't. His beautiful gay face. Is that what he said? Like that. There's a Facebook commenter who said something about this and I don't remember who it is. And I'm sorry because I spent over half an hour going through Facebook comments and organizing them. And I'm so sorry to who this person is. If they're in the chat, please tell me who you are. There's somebody who said, there's somebody who put a, a bunch of comments because it's not the one I pulled. So that's how I know that I'm not going to remember who it was, but somebody who commented a lot. Anyway, they talked about how we make fun of Mace because he's such a fucking tool. <laughs> but at the end of the day, this is a great here is this, this man, this proud guy from this proud family. And he, he watches his son confess to all these things that he's probably against. And he doesn't care. Like he loves his son and wants to protect it. him. And there's something to that. And if that's how Mace Tyrell is going to go out, I'm proud of him. You know what? Did good work. When, when you just you saying that gives me a little bit of the goose flesh. I hope I can make Dean cry on this podcast. It's, it's my happen. dream. <laughs> not gonna happen. I'm gonna warn you right now. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> I'll cry when we get to the wrongful persecution of Cersei. Oh, good lord! <laughs> All right. I just remember we thought about naming our cat Cersei, and I'm like, imagine if we had done that. Imagine if we just looked at her and we were like, "Yep, you mass murdered 300 people." Yeah, it's not too bad. What are you gonna do? How many people did Robert kill? That fucking silly rebellion for some bitch who didn't want to bang him. I didn't mean to call Leanna Stark a bitch. I take that back. Yeah, instantly. that was actually really rude because she seems very sweet. I she mean, she's no sweet. Leanna Mormont, but whatever. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> oh, for God's sakes. All right. So Tommen is detained by Sir Robert. The piano returns. So we had a little bit of a break during all this high sparrow nonsense because he's so annoying. He chases away the beautiful music. Uh, back to Cersei getting dressed. She's really taking her time. Uh, back and to the sept. Marjorie, of course, isn't happy with the high sparrow for the uh, carving up of her brother's face. Did we say about how Tommen was stopped on his way out? Yep. Yeah. Okay. You paying attention or are you reading the chat? I was paying attention, but right. you said it too fast and confused me. Oh, really? The chat says it's buffering. Coming so from the nervous. fastest talker on the planet. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So um, back to the sept. Marjorie isn't happy with the high sparrow. Uh, by the way, where is the Queen Mother? They send Lancel. Lancel starts to get led around by a little boy, which is pretty good move if you're trying to lure away these uh, weird, weirdo religious people. I, I found this a little... It, it, it's fine, and I'm not going to nitpick at this episode, but I found it a little odd that like Lancel sees a random little boy running, and he's like, I better follow that random little boy. Like Little children don't just run around and have fun sometimes. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't know what little children do, but I assume they have fun sometimes and just run around King's Landing. I think part of it was the kid kept looking back at him and kind of taunting him to play to give chase. All right. So Lancel might have got suspicious. I will say this: those Lannisters have very good instincts, and Lancel's still a Lannister. And I think he was like, "Something's fucking odd with this kid," and uh, that's why he gave chase. I guess. I guess. I think he was like, "I don't really know if I want to go deal with Cersei right now, so I'll follow this small child." I think so. One of the little birds. So piano picks up. It's very heavy here. Picel goes to the set below, and we get the beginning. This is where we light the f- light the fuse. Here's where we light the fuse, 
and it quickly burns from here. Pardon the pun. Kai burns there. Lancel pursues the boy. We're cutting around. Where is the king? Pycelle says. Tension mounts. Enter some choir music with the piano. So we're picking up the music now. Kyburn doesn't want Pycelle to die alone. That is fucking intense. This is incredible, the way he speaks to him. You do yes. not deserve to die alone in a cold, dark place, but sometimes before we can usher in the new, the old must be put to rest. Boosh. And this guy is stabbed to death by fucking children. It's amazing. It's like Oliver Twist meets Julius Caesar. I just want to read this one and comment. one fail from, swoop. From the chat, Nando Stark says, I have one. She pulls a knife on me when I tell her it's time for bed. So I don't know if Nando Stark's children are... <laughs> in with these King's Landing little birds, but I'd be concerned. I, I like it a lot. I like it. Uh, yeah, this was like, God damn, man, these little kids. Stephen King-esque. Killed the fat old man. Maybe they're running that whore ring and they didn't get paid. You never know. Pay us, bitch. Ugh, ugh. Yeah, secretly, Pycelle's death had nothing to do with anything else. It was <laughs> right? like whoever the main pimp was was like, hey, can you kill that guy? Because he didn't pay his woman. This is Little the did they know <laughs> he was just going to get blown up later anyway. Yeah. Absolutely. You got money for fucking chains, but not to pay the horse. Stab, stab. Mm -hmm. Dead. Brutal. I mean, the brutality combined with the music, I think, is what makes this so amazing. Hmm. Because mm -hmm. it's not tragic music. It's it's good Lord, man. Good God. What are we watching, man? Right. You know, so Lancel cruises around with his torch and then he's going, what's going on? And then whoop, he gets a backstab. Cue music again, this time with organ. Beautiful, yes. staccato, strong attack on the strings. Soft piano brings us back to the sept and back to Lancel, who sees the wildfire cash. Mm -hmm. Cersei continues to watch. Lots of cutting between Lancel and the sept. And then Marjorie starts to sniff this out. I love this. This is incredible to me. The fact that Marjorie very slowly realizes what's happening and seeing your own death coming and there being nothing you can do. Right. To stop it. This is incredible. This is great acting so from good. Natalie Dormer. I love her. I, I will certainly miss her on the show. I was a big Queen Marjorie fan. Um, and I do love the moment when the High Sparrow realizes she's right. It's 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 well done. But right. I mean, this stuff is incredible. Where's Cersei? Where's Tom? And it doesn't make sense that neither of them are here. Yes, I agree. And then Marjorie uh, starts to really get nervous. I like her wisdom here. I, and I love the best part of this is Marjorie wants to leave. Here's part of the problem with this. Here's why the High Sparrow is another reminder why the High Sparrow is a giant piece of shit, okay? Oh, yes, tell me more. So the High Sparrow's arrogance is so palpable here. When he, he I think he says something like, well, we're going to try her anyway, regardless of whether she's here or not. And he says something about, you know, she cannot escape the justice of the gods, the warrior and all this shit. His arrogance here is amazing, and he scoffs. His final arrogant cunt scoff. <laughs> yep. As if nothing can touch him here. Laughs at her, basically. He scoffs at her. And why the fuck are the Faith Militant detaining Queen Marjorie? Is she still a felon? Is she still, is she still compelled by law to stay here? Is she serving on the trial? Is she required to be in attendance? Why would the Faith Militant physically impose themselves on her and not let her exit the building. I don't understand this at all. Not letting anybody exit the building. What the fuck is that about? I don't know. They, is that it, in their it, stupid seven laws there? They got to stay and watch the trial? I don't get them, that. them showing their power, I guess. I don't know. Um, I like, I, I read an interview with Natalie Dormer, which was very good. And she said 
Marjorie always had a handle on Cersei, which is why she could sniff this out, that she made the mistake of trusting that the High Sparrow had a handle on Cersei, that she could relax for a second because he did and realizing that he didn't and she was going to die because of it. And I think that's really fascinating. Yeah, it's a great point. You, You have to, dude, where's the person that's here to be tried? Marjorie goes immediately. She knows about Cersei. And Marjorie lacks the arrogance that the High Sparrow has. The High Sparrow is very confident, overconfident saying it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter? She's not here. Doesn't that fucking sketch you out, dude? Yeah, he does not get it at all. He misses it. Misses it a little bit. I mean, I just, whether or not he has the instincts to, to realize something is going to happen here, something's bad, are we going to get attacked? Has she has she turned 40, 50 soldiers against us? Are you going to file in here and start slaughtering everybody? There's a lot of different things that happen in the medieval world where large groups of people get murdered, right? Mm-hmm. So is it possible? You got to have your head on a swivel, man. And, um, and to not, I mean, whatever. I can forgive him of not seeing it. That's fine. Not everyone's going to see it. Right. But dude, why are you stopping Marjorie from leaving? Why are you detaining everyone there? Are they required participants? It's, it's up like to the he seven. He thinks he's going to lose his bit of power. Yes. That's what I'm getting and he around to. can't let to. go of it. Somebody who says he's not prideful, and right. but he is. I'm in control. I have it. Nobody's going anywhere. I have this, is what he was saying. He was trying to maintain order and it and it didn't work. And well, it worked. And then it cost them all their lives. I'm not saying they would have gotten away had they gotten those extra seconds, but Right now, they still would have died. Great shots of Lancel realizing what is happening. Marjorie tries to leave, of course. I like that Marjorie goes to Loris and she says, Loris, stay with me. Yes. And I like that she is with Loris. She's with the whole at family. The end. Right. Aren't there I, a whole, the whole except family for Elena? There? Right. And I don't know if she's right with Mace at the point, but but for so long she tried to protect Loris and keep him in this certain light keep people looking at him in a certain light she was his protector and in the end she still was she was like stay yes. with me yes you know i've got you yes they they die together it's fucking sad there is a moment a, a, a moment on the high sparrow's face right as the as this goes up the first love shot it. is the reflection of the wildfire in lancel's eyes also love that incredible incredible and the moment when the high sparrow realizes it's over he does this thing that is amazing. He has his hands down by his sides, palms forward, and he just sort of looks up, accepting his fate to go visit his gods. And it is awesome. I just like the moment. Uh, Jonathan Price is a great actor. I know he's shit on the High Sparrow. But that moment when he realizes, yes. holy shit, Marjorie was right. I made a mistake. Yes. The fatal mistake. Yes. And it will cost me my the life. The fatal mistake. And there's that moment of fear and of sadness and then acceptance. And yes. he really portrays that so well. He's a great actor. Uh, I mean, very, very impressive. It, it's too late. It's the, too late the, for them. The best part about this is just what you just said. And that's, he made a mistake. You cannot make a mistake in this world when this, when you're in this position of power because the stakes are way up there. You cannot mm-hmm. make a mistake. The higher you are on the totem pole, the higher the chances that a mistake is fatal. And this is one of those cases where his mistake is fatal. Mm-hmm. Wow. Cersei smiling at the explosion, sipping the wine. It's pretty gangster. Oh, it's amazing. It's pretty gangster. And then contrasted with Tom and watching everything, <clears throat> devastated, yes. horrified. Unbelievable. So let's let's talk about the 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 coming and the passing of the High Sparrow and the Faith Militant. Sure, let's do it. So the High Sparrow is this man, and you guys know how we feel about this man. I have. We don't like him. I have very little sympathy for him, and maybe that's just because I have this revulsion to religious fanaticism. It just 
rubs me the wrong way. So I will admit I'm not being completely objective with him. I'm fine with that. And uh, he comes in, Cersei, realizing that Tommen is marrying Marjorie and that Tyrells is are becoming involved and Marjorie starts to sense this rivalry between her and Marjorie. Marjorie twists the knife a little bit, saying, oh, are you the Dowager Queen now? And saying she, she knows going to piss Cersei off, whatever. Starts to realize that she's losing control. Tywin's dead. She's losing her son. She doesn't want to be married off. She loves Jamie, I guess, in a weird sociopath way. <laughs> and then she has to wonder what she's going to do next. So she enlists the power of these faith militant, knowing that she can turn them loose against the Tyrells, not realizing that this monster that she creates is going to come back and haunt her, which is exactly what happens. But then she has to turn around and put it down in the end in dramatic fashion. What a fucking story arc. It is so amazing. For him to die and for the Faith Melon to die in the Sept of Baelor, in the presence of the gods, there's something about that. The symbolic nature of her enlisting the help in the Seven and then completely mm -hmm. eradicating the Seven. There is some dramatic irony there that is too wonderful to pass by. She enlists the help of the religion and then snuffs it out utterly. Now, as you guys know, ideology does not die. The faith of the seven isn't going anywhere. Plenty of people still believe there's still going to be septons. There's still going to be septas. There's going to be another great sept of Baylor someday. Or maybe not. I don't know. But wow, what a transition for the faith militant and the high sparrow to enter dramatically and to exit dramatically. It was incredible. And I have to hand it to the writers on this. I have to hand it to, of course, George R. R. Martin, to, of course, Benioff and Weiss, whatever they decided to do, whatever deviations they're making, it was fucking brilliant. I agree. And I know people complained at points about this, this storyline because I know a lot of it wasn't from the books, but I feel like it really paid paid off. And I, I think that the point of it was made very clear. This Cersei trying to take power, it didn't work. And her trying to figure out, well, what do I do next? And her, what do I do next is, oh, I'm going to do the thing that the Mad King was going to do and he was killed for. Right. Which is mind-blowing and incredible. And I think we'll talk about that more when we get to the end and the Jamie stuff. But do you, yeah, we can, we can, well, we can, since, do you want to talk a little bit about, we will get to this, but can I just say that since you're there and I don't want to lose this thread? I love how Jamie was there to stop the Mad King and he arrived just late enough for this one. Yeah. It's fucking wonderful. I definitely want to talk about that more when we get to that part because I have stuff to say for that, certainly. For sure. Do you want, should we Should we have a trial for Cersei now or should we just go ahead, get through the Ulna stuff because that's going to play against Cersei and then uh, go from there? What do you mean? Well, we just need to talk about Cersei. Yeah, let's-, let's Her arc, we need to talk about, you know, that Nathan Tamulis started that huge thread about she's evil and I was trolling him saying, well, the evil is not real. And I was oh, being facetious. Um, but we can uh, we can talk about this philosophically if you want. We can get into some of this. Let's, what let's is evil, go through the rest of the scenes and get through to Cersei with Tommen's body. And then we can talk about just Cersei. Go for it. So let's talk about Septa Ulna first. Yes. This is not a good case for Cersei. Yeah, this bitch, Cersei doesn't want her to die by wildfire. She's got other stuff planned for her. This is Lannister stuff always pays... Their debts. Yes. Don't they? This is the stuff I love from Cersei. Cersei's an evil fucking human being. And now that all the children are dead, I'm in agreement that she is evil. And she is going to be... You thought she was a villain before? Good Lord. It's only going to get worse. She is... Can I just interject? 
Yes. I'm not going to take this podcast into a two-hour discussion about relative ethics, but the term evil is a bit problematic to me. Oh, okay. But I'm I'm too lazy, honestly, to get into all that um, because uh, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. There's she's she's got some sadistic megalomania sociopathy socio sociopathic tendencies without a doubt. Um, evil. I, I don't even know. I'm, I'm I'm I said to John Marginson on Facebook. I don't even know what the fuck that means, really, especially as it relates to Game of Thrones shit and the the raping and the murder and the marauding and the fucking wars and the rebellions and the taking actions that result in thousands of deaths. What the fuck does evil mean? I don't know. I'm not that smart. Killing 200 people, most of which are innocent in a mass murder. Yeah. Pretty evil, I think. I guess. Anyway. But kill 12 people at supper or tens of thousands in battle, like Tywin says. I mean, what what are we talking about? Anyway. Is it a numbers game? Is it a, I don't know. I'm not sure. But anyway, go ahead. Who are you, Cersei apologist? (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. This is the shit that I love is how Cersei is so just nasty about what she's doing. Confess, confess at the end when she says shame. I I love her throwing her words back in her face, doing what she promised. And I love that when Cersei talks about the things she did, I did all these awful things and they all felt good. I liked doing them. I liked lying about them. Mm -hmm. I like to murder all these people and imagine their shock and pain. Actually, in my notes, before even reading this uh, thread about Cersei being evil and having this conversation with you right now, my notes say, Cersei talks about her sins, blah, blah. It felt good to murder so many people and imagine their shock and pain. She is evil. Is exactly what I wrote in my notes. All right. Can I, can I, can I maybe rectify the quote a little? Certainly. I drink, killed my husband, fucked my brother. I killed your high sparrow. All his septons and septas, his filthy soldiers, it felt good. It felt good to imagine their shock and pain. She's specifically referring to, right or wrong, in her mind, she's specifically referring to her enemies, not the fallout from the fucking explosion. Gosh, I have some enemies, but I'm pretty sure if I murdered them, I'd be in a lot of trouble. Maybe. Maybe not in Game of Thrones, though, while you're kind of at war. I mean, can, can I just say something? Sure. I know that there were some elements in the Facebook chat who said that when Cersei was told to leave the city, she could have. I think you're fucking crazy. There's no way the High Sparrow lets you snub him, his arrogance, his, the gods are judging you, not me. There's no way they don't go after her. And where does she go? Does Cersei go back to Casterly Rock, which Kevin rules? Kevin is against her. She has no, listen, and I'm not saying she's innocent. She's a fucking pretty terrible human being. Let's make no mistake about it. Let's not pretend that Cersei had any options. She, they outlawed trial by combat so she would not win. They decided that, and when they did, they sealed their own fucking fates. So when Cersei decided that she was not going to go to this trial, she was actively saying, I'm not going to go there and submit to the High Sparrow. I'm not going to lose to the High Sparrow. Now, she's a megalomaniac sociopath. I'm not going to, there's no fucking debating what she was willing to do, the people she was willing to kill. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take her to task a little too. When you blow up the high, the fucking sept of Baylor, you're killing many people who have nothing to do with this. You're killing a lot of people in the surrounding ter- territories who have nothing to do with this. You're murdering people who have nothing to do with this. As far as Cersei was concerned, these people that spit at her, 
called her a cunt, showed her their dicks, were all those people, and they were all her enemies. That's her fucking perspective. I know it's warped, but she was in a corner. She was not going to put on her cute little clothes, march to the Sept of Baylor, and be tried for whatever the fuck she's going to be tried for, and submit to whatever fucking horrific punishment the High Sparrow had in store for her. She did a walk of atonement and was still going to be tried. I can assure you that trial was not going to end well. They outlawed the trial by combat. Yeah, exactly. Because they knew that they would lose. Because she brought a man back from the dead, which is probably cheating in trial by combat roles. Of course, of course. But if they follow their own stupid religious logic, no man who is uh, unfit in the eyes of the gods can lose in combat. Obviously, we know that's bullshit. And maybe deep down, they know it's bullshit too. Maybe even the High Sparrow knew that that's bullshit. But I'm just saying, I understand Cersei going, it ain't going to end like this. I'm going to fucking take you out one way or the other. If it's if you're standing between me and freedom is what she's thinking with literally no shelter by her own doing her own fucking machinations put her in this position. Right. Even that being said, she's not going to march off and just be like, all right, I'm dead. The re- the religion, the seven took her son from her. I still am one of the people who believe that she cared about her, her children. Oh, I deeply. do. No, I believe that. I think the prophecy fucked with her her whole life. Remember, that happened when she was a girl. She's always feared losing her kids. She's genuinely sad about her children, right? I think so, anyway. At least in the show. In the book, maybe she thinks differently. We don't, Unfortunately, we don't get that perspective. We only get what we see in the show. And uh, I, I don't know, man. I'm just saying that I guess my point in this whole ramble is, is I'm not, it's, it's really lazy, in my opinion, to say, Cersei is evil. Look what she did. Really? It's that simple. It's that black and white in Game of Thrones, in the relativistic world of Game of Thrones, where Tormund and his men rape and pillage, and now we fucking hug them? Like, we got to fucking pump the brakes a second. Yeah, but then, so Tormund murders a village, but then Tormund does things that redeem him. Cersei has not been redeemed. Right. I know. So when Tormund killed but all his parents, what does redeemed even mean? What, where, was, where, was, where was her opportunity for redemption? She had none. She went to the Tyrells saying, she? with her brother, she went to the Tyrells and said, we need to band together and get rid of this high sparrow. And they're like, go fuck yourself. She was in a position to where she, in a, by her own hand, I'm not saying she's innocent. Exactly. All you're doing is saying, Cersei wanted to fuck people over and it didn't work out the way she liked, so she killed everybody. That's, it's not that simple though. But it is. Okay. How? Because that's how it happens. Cersei was like, I want all the power and I want Marjorie to be screwed. So I am in turn going to let these religious people take power, not expecting they would turn on her. They turn on her and she still is like, well, how they turned on me. So I will now turn around and go back on them. And her way of turning around and going back on them is not okay, I'll stand my trial. I'll say I did what I did wrong or she was going to have her trial by combat, whatever, blah, blah. And that didn't work. So her reasoning for everything is things didn't work out the way I wanted them to. So I'm going to mass murder everybody. Okay. Yeah, she's a crazy person. That no, doesn't no sound a little evil to you. Yeah, I'm not. Unfortunately, maybe it's the word that's problematic to me. It's, it to is. You. It is. Yeah. I'm sorry. That doesn't make her a complete and total psychopath with massive anger problems. Well, I, I've never not accused Cersei of murder or or being a person who does bad things. But I'm just saying, if you guys want to turn the fucking spotlight on and shine it just on Cersei, you're being hypocrites. That's oh, my I don't point. want to shine anything just on Cersei. I think everybody was in the wrong in every circumstance. But I think that, and I'm all about girl power and the women running the show. 
But good Lord, so many people today have been like, I love Cersei so much. And like, Cersei's such a hero. And I'm like, mm, yeah. I don't and know. Nathan, we Nathan, might be going a little Nathan's too still far in the there. Chat trying to battle with me, talking about laws. All that, all that shit doesn't matter for me. Like, the, the laws, the religion law, the law that comes from religion does not mean it has any ethical fucking stance whatsoever. Dude, the highest power sucks. Yeah, I don't give a shit about law. I'm not law. saying. People confuse law and morality all the time. Laws do not necessarily indicate that they have any moral fucking compunction whatsoever. All I'm saying is if you're going to shine the light, shine it everywhere. That's all. Listen, guys. Hey, guess who I'm not rooting for? Cersei. I'm not rooting for Cersei to win, okay? I much prefer Danny to win and Jon Snow to win. Cersei's going to die and she's going to deserve it. All I'm saying is, for the love of fucking God, you sensitive people, is this. Shine the light on everybody and chill out for just a second. That's all I'm saying. Because I don't think anyone's saying that the high sparrow people aren't evil. No, I'm not. I don't. I'm, I'm not even. I'm not saying the high sparrow is evil. I never said that once. I'm just saying I don't. The word evil is problematic in the Game of Thrones universe to me. Right. That's all I'm saying. That's all. There are certain people I would side with more than others. I just I'm not. I, I lack the I lack the philosophical thesis in my hands to really talk about good and evil and what they fucking mean. It's hard for me. It's hard. I don't know. You know, is a, a, I, it's tough. It's tough for me to it's, it's tough to know. And I'm not I'm not trying to be a fucking pain in the ass with this. I'm just saying and I'll get all the hate mails and the Facebooks like last week when I was hard on Jon Snow, whatever. But I'm just saying Cersei. I'm not Cersei is. Can I just say this and we can fucking move on? Sure. I am not rooting for Cersei. Cersei's done horrible shit. She is not a good person, in my opinion. I would not want to be her friend. I would not want to be her ally. She made the bed that she was in, and then she blew the fucking bed up rather than laying it, because that's how Cersei is. Because she's a fucking crazy person. She's lost her grip. Her kids are gone. Her family's gone. She has no house. Her home, Casterly Rock, is gone. And she did not didn't help with this situation, right? She didn't help by putting Tyrion in a position to where he had to kill his own fucking father. That's part of Cersei's doing. So convinced that it was Tyrion. Trust me, guys. Cersei has done some horrible shit. Probably more than most. Yeah, mass murder all by your lonesome of hundreds of people. But I'm not convinced. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> sure. But, uh, you know, uh, it's... Listen, there are no people who are all good in the show. And I know people in the chat, they're like, yeah, what about Gilly? Yeah, Gilly and Sam are pretty fucking cool and stuff. And so is Brienne. And, but for the most part, everybody, the characters in the show are very three-dimensional. Cersei's just extra bad guy right now. Right. Yeah, I guess. Oh, the chat. The chat hates me right now, but that's okay. They'll live. <laughs> Let's start with Tommen. Yeah, we'll get to oh, it. We talked about Septolna. I forgot this part. So after Cersei mass murdered hundreds of people, mm -hmm. she then left Septolna to be raped by the Mountain, who is a known rapist who likes to brutally rape women. Yeah. We already know that that's oh, his MO. Can I ask you a question? Is is and this is coming up in the chat? Who's worse, Cersei or 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 or, or Ramsay? Ooh. <sighs> I, I feel Ramsey because he was more sadistic and got more joy out of it. And I know that Cersei like smiled and shit when she did the stuff now. She might be moving on into Ramsey territory. But I mean, Ramsey sent women out to be chased by dogs and to shoot arrows at them to hunt them for sadistic pleasure. So I think that makes him more evil as a person. And I don't think he cared about anybody except maybe Miranda. At least Cersei kind of liked her kids and Jamie. Does that count? I guess. Just so you know, in the chat, Dean admitted that Cersei was monstrous. Yeah. So stop yelling Whatever. at him. Whatever. <laughs> Jesus Christ, people. 
Dean doesn't really matter right now. Uh, how old is Tormund? 45? What's that? 20 years of raping and pillaging? Tor- and he's one of my boyfriends, so just saying. Fucking whatever, guys. Whatever. You know what I'm trying to say. There's a few of you out there who understand what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, we get it. So Tormund rapes some people, and Cersei had somebody else rape some people for her. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you win. There you have it. <laughs> At least Tormund was man enough to take women himself. Tormund's like, I'm going to rape this woman. And Cersei said, I'm going to have my Franken Mountain rape you. <laughs> Fucking. Oh, I'm on an island with Ollie and Cersei. Good Lord. <laughs> I actually, John, this relationship is John. <laughs> I knew this was going to get heated, but that's okay. It's fun. I didn't. Okay. Can I just say this, guys? If you want. I can't. The the chat is like making puns on like, you know, Franken Mountain, like mounting, like, you know. Yeah. Mounting. Right. Here's honestly. Terrible. Here's. This is going to sound really fucked up, but. Cersei blowing up the Sept of Baelor in a weird way was totally kind. Is more forgivable than her allowing Sir Gregor to rape Ulna. Is that how fucked up my mind is? That's fucking dark, man. I, that that like it, she's pretty fucking bad. Okay, I get it. That honestly, that really disturbed me. The fact that she let this undead beast. How more fucked can you get? You're a religious woman being raped by an undead person. I mean, that is fucking horrible. And let's remember what we know about the mountain, because at first I'm like, oh, are we really going like rape here? And then I remembered what he did to Elia Martell. So I know what happens to Septa Ulna is not going to be good. It's, It's fucked. It's fucked. That's torture. She wanted to torture this woman. Everybody else she let die quick. Right. Yeah. So I guess that's nice of her. Yeah. All right. Here's she what I'm did give say. her wine at least that's got cruise. Yeah. Here's what I'm going to say. In closing, I think that a lot of people in the show do bad shit. They do shit that I think is ethically questionable. All of them. I think that of all of them, right? So you guys can stop writing your emails. I think that in all of them, I think out of all of them, Ramsey might be worse to me because of his sadistic torture and rending of flesh. There is something sadistic in in wild beyond comprehension in that. Cersei is somebody who is willing to burn the fucking world down if it means between her winning and losing, right? That is pretty fucking crazy. She got, got that from her dad, I think, right? And I'm not saying that I'm forgiving her. I'm not giving her a pass. And I was still thinking, even after the set blow up, I'm like, man, Ramsey's still a worse character. But here's where the issue lies when Cersei has them out and rape this woman. Now, I'm not going to be one of these people comparing rape and murder and what's worse. I'm not going to do that. It's not for oh me God, to say. No, that would take hours and hours of conversation. And people would just be mad at you for months. I think that I was ready for Ramsey to die. And with Cersei, I'm just like, what is this crazy bitch going to do next? What the fuck is she going to do next? Listen, she is off the chain. I woman. fucking love her as a character. and I'm fascinated to see what's going on next. But guess what? Are you? As- I liked Ramsey, too. And I wanted to see what crazy <laughs> bullshit he would do next. It's good to have people you fucking hate. Nice. That's all I'm saying. I'm just glad I didn't name my cat after her. I'm yeah. thankful for that. So one of the things she does say to us to, 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 to Ulna here, and that's coming up in chat, is one of the things they're saying in chat is Cersei was saying that she did these things 
uh, that these deeds, she enjoyed the suffering of her enemies. Mm-hmm. Right. And then what she says to her, your gods have forsaken you. This is your God now about the Franken mountain. Right. This to me is fucking horrific. It, this is evil. I, I mean, it's really bad. Right. hundred percent. Shame, shame, shame. Yeah. It's, it's very, very, very bad. But you know what? I think, do you think, can I just say something? Do you think Olna got pleasure when she was torturing Cersei? I'm going to say yes. Oh, me too. And it is not just this. She's carrying out her faith with a dispassion. Bullshit. Oh, no, I she agree with you. She fucking enjoyed herself. I agree with you. She enjoyed herself. So, And the High Sparrow did too, and that was the point that I was trying, that I made earlier as far as, or was trying to make earlier, that Marjorie wants to leave, and he doesn't want to let her leave. He still wants to prove that he's the one in the position of power, not Marjorie the Queen. Right. Someone who says they aren't that way. So these people who say, no, we're, we're, we don't get joy out of it. We do it because of the gods. That's bullcrap, bullcrap, bullcrap. Right. Saying. Agreed. Agreed. Do you want to talk about Tommen? Old rubber lifts. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. So. Hold on. Can I just say something? Go. Cersei's a monster. <laughs> you fucking better say that. Go ahead. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so Tommen, I, this was, this was, this was a really good scene. This was so well done. And as I said, we were watching this with friends the first this time we watched so it. Fun and this watch. moment well, it wasn't, in yeah. in our apartment, we're all sitting there, we're all watching the scene. Tom is in the in the thing. He realizes everyone's dead. He takes his crown off. We're all watching. He walks away, the and the camera shot. stays on the window. And our friend that we were watching with, um, who was in the chat briefly, but I think he's gone. Kylo Lev, if he comes back, he said, "We're gonna start hearing footsteps running towards the window. Like he's gonna kill himself." He was the first one to say it. And then all of a sudden, you see Tom and go back to the window and all four of us stood up and we were like screaming. Yep. It was just, it, it, it was such an incredible moment to be watching for the first time, even thinking that it's probably what was going to happen. This was fascinating. And, and uh, Yana Stark in the chat says Cersei shouldn't have left him alone. And I have to make comment on this too, because I also have opinions on this, which is that Cersei did all this, all these awful things. And she knew that Tommen would react to it. And no, I don't think Cersei knew Tommen was going to kill himself. And yes, I think Cersei did what she could to keep Tommen safe. But I also feel right. like Cersei thought if Tommen was collateral damage, he was collateral damage. She didn't care anymore. Yeah. Because here is a, a child. His city has been blown up. His wife is dead. Everything is gone. Except and mommy. He's, mommy he's, dearest. But she's not there. <laughs> she's not there. He's alone. Yeah. This is fucking sad it's sad i felt really bad for him this was really sad yeah it was sad it was sad the way he when he pulled his crown off he had this real poor posture shoulders hunched over he scurried off camera and he dramatically swan dives off and you know what's funny about this death it was also kind of unceremonious yep again there was no hoopla there was very little buildup. You had a, a brief moment to realize what the boy was going to do. And I am very, I feel very sad for Tommen. I, I do he, want to comment to people in chat though. They're saying that the Franken Mountain was there. No, he left before Tommen killed himself. Correct. Once everything was over, the Franken Mountain walked away. Um, he had some raping to do. Yes, exactly. And Tiffany Bell in the chat says that he thought even Cersei was dead. I don't think so. I think that he knew Cersei was alive. And I think that the mountain keeping him there and then him seeing what happened 
made him realize it was Cersei's doing. And I think that mm. was part of why he went out the window. I think so too. And Lone Star Kid, I don't know what happens to Sir Pounce, but I hope he's okay. I hope he was not injured in this horrible, horrible fire. Right. Yeah, it was, you know, when I reflect on the Tommen character, what a tragic fucking life. And we make fun of rubber lips and we call them weak and all this shit. And just like I did he with is. Ollie by saying, try to take it from this kid's perspective for just a minute. Well, Ollie was awful and Tommen was just a little bitch. I mean, try to take okay. it from Ollie's perspective for just a minute Ollie's. as they wrap that fucking rope around your little neck. See ya. <sighs> <laughs> Sweet, sweet blue-faced prince. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm having a bad day, I just Google pictures of dead Ollie and I feel good. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right, no. <laughs> You're a sick fuck. <laughs> she calls me a monster. Maybe I have more in common with Cersei than I thought. <laughs> Can I just say something? In all, in, all, in all honesty, one second, one final thing about Cersei. <laughs> Talk about Cersei no, no. again. That neighborhood where the Sept of Baylor was is largely known that it was low, guys, low rent housing, poor tax bracket. I mean, they weren't making money on these people. They were kind of a burden. So here's the good news. Your tithing and taxes are going to drop a little bit. Uh, so, you know, and then the other thing is, is that, I mean, what? Those ladies in waiting, those old fucking hags on the second balcony. You think they were ever going to get married, which is essentially death in this world. So Cersei, we might want to high five her for mercifully offing all those sorry, sorry people. Yep. Cersei, thanks for your mass murder again. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Go back. So Tom, can I just say this about Tommen? Go. All right. So here's the thing with Tommen. Here's what's so tr- sad and tragic about this kid. He fucking grows up. First of all, his mom and, br- and, and, and dad are brother and sister. So that's a bummer. Not to mention his grandfather, his grandfather's wife, who's dead, was they were cousins, right? Tywin married his cousin. I don't know. Oh, yeah. They're basically Targaryens at this point. Um, I'm pretty sure it was his cousin. So you have this these poor fucking, poor, poor kid. He grows up being tormented by Tommen, by, 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 by Joffrey. He gets this fucking crown thrust upon him. He's a young, malleable kid who doesn't know what to do, listens to everything anybody ever says and does that thing, which was realistic to me based on the way he was soft, like his beautiful rubber lips. Now, he goes through this thing. He has these brief periods, but it's always uneasy for him. It's always tough for him. Then he becomes king. Then he gets involved in this stupid tug of war between the Tyrells and the Lannisters, this tug of war between Marjorie and Cersei that Cersei kind of manufactured, let's be real. Uh, yep, yep. You're correct, sir. <sighs> yeah, I know. Fuck Good off. Work. And then suddenly he has this high spiral whispering in his ear. He gets swayed to this, being told you're gonna be- you're gonna get to bone your your wifey again, kid. And your mommy, she's being really naughty. Your mommy's being bad. You should listen to the seven, right? And then he gets he all these people, all the shit he was promised that he was going to probably get when all this was said and done is all taken away from him in one failed swoop. He has no recourse. His mommy's not there. He's probably terrified of her at this point. And he has nobody. He's fucking truly alone. It's sad, dude. It's sad for me to think about this 12, 13, 15, whatever the fuck he is, kid, old rubber lips, having nobody in this world, in his mind, that he decides that he's going to 
fucking swan dive out this window. And much like his whole life that we got to witness on camera, which was mediocre. He didn't ruffle many feathers. He went with the flow. He did his thing. He dies in exactly the same fashion. He doesn't get poisoned. He doesn't die in a battle. He doesn't get blown up. He doesn't get assassinated with an arrow and bleed and traumatically die. He simply swan dies out the window, which is such a fucking Tommen move to me. And that is sad. Okay. So we know we have this prophecy, the Maggie the Frog, gold, gold will be their crowns, gold will be their shrouds. We know they're all going to die, Cersei, live with this. Um, Yana Stark said this in the chat. When she said this in a chat, I wrote it down that she had said it because I had this thought too and I wanted to bring it up. Isn't this wonderful poetic justice that Tommen jumped out a window and killed himself and Cersei lost her children because this show started with her and Jamie pushing, <laughs> pushing a child out a window. Indeed. Planning to kill them, kill him. Sure. And and isn't that funny that we have come six years later in our time, however long Game of Thrones time it's been, this full circle. Yeah. From Jamie and Cersei, we were just two crazy kids banging each other, even though they were brother and sister, pushing kids out a window to keep their secret. And now Cersei's last living child is committing suicide by jumping out a window. What a tragedy that Bran had to scurry up there. You know? Thank God Bran can like see the past because if not... I mean, poor Bran. He's just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Could have been anybody. Do you want me to really piss off the listeners? Here it goes. I don't know. I'm scared. Oh, my God. So I don't this is know a world... what he's going to say. Good Lord. <laughs> this, this is not rehearsed. This is a world where these women are essentially trade. They're essentially currency. They're currency. Cersei is currency as far as her father is concerned, right? It's not unprecedented for siblings and family members to have sex. That's been happening with the Targaryens forever. Yeah. Hashtag right or wrong. Team incest. I know. Right or wrong. Right or wrong. We're not, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm, I don't have all the moral answers. Is Nate still there? Let me ask him. <laughs> just kidding, Nate. <laughs> Does um, Nate have a stance on incest? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But my point is, is this <laughs> fucking lawyers. <laughs> I love you, Nate. You know, I'm kidding. I hope. Um, Here's my point. <laughs> He's going to murder you with wildfire real soon. He would murder me with wildfire. I don't put it past him. He's a clever and smart man. Um, but here's my point. These women are currency, right? But Jamie and Cersei really love, they, they were, according to the show, lovers. They loved each other. Yeah, minus the whole rape thing in like season three, but that's cool. That's too far in advance. <laughs> so here they are just carrying on with their love for one another because she's promised to this fat guy named Robert who she could give a shit about but has to marry because what else is she going to do? She's under the yoke of Tywin Lannister, this poor woman. Come on, girls, are you with me? So are you going to marry a fun dude who likes to drink and party? Sorry, Cersei. Yeah, he doesn't want her, though. Sorry that you can't marry your brother. He's more into Lyanna Stark, and she was into Rhaegar. So this Let's is just real. a sad, sad story of what people sad... loving people they can't Then have. Bran gets all fucking snoopy-doopy crawling around like a goddamn sloth in a tree, poking his nosy little head in there to watch their glorious lovemaking. <laughs> he busts in on their glorious lovemaking. And now, and now the stakes are this. Push a kid out a window. Let's be real. He's the youngest kid anyway. He's probably not going to do much with his life. Or... He's not the youngest. Rickon, who's 75, was older. Younger Rick, than Rickon is 147 years old. Or... So here are your choices. Push this kid out the window, who's essentially a can't get right, or... or <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> or... He used to be normal. You push the kid out the window, because the other alternative is 
It gets out and Robert executes Cersei. That's going to happen. Robert will execute Cersei and maybe Jamie too. So I don't know. I'm not sure. They were just carrying on, trying to be in love because she got promises of some guy. Come on, we're all the women on me with me oh, on this. Oh gosh, I know. I love to romanticize about incest. You know me. <laughs> there's nothing. There's nothing that gets me happy. Okay, guys, I'm fucking kidding. Will you guys. chill out? Somebody in the chat's like, "What the fuck, Dean?" I'm kidding. I'm guys. fucking kidding. We've been I'm doing a... this for an hour and we're only in King's Landing and I've already had two glasses of wine. <laughs> it's going to be a long night. Listen, I'm Team Stark. Everybody relax, okay? I hope Arya kills Cersei. It'll be great. Oh, I got my Stark shirt on. If you want to, if you want to, if you want me to admit to the word evil, I will say Cersei has exhibited more evil behavior than most, okay? Why? Because you're you afraid it. Nate's going to murder you? Senator no. Tamilus is going to murder you? Just checking. I'm not worried about that. I'm just. But I'm, secretly, he's like, "Fuck, I am." Listen, guys, we we need fucking ratings, okay? I'm trolling you guys a little bit. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not trolling anybody for ratings. So I'm just having a little bit of fun because our listeners are reasonable and good natured, and they're laughing in the chat, and everyone's fine, okay? So Kyber, it's fucking TV. <laughs> I'm trying so hard. Where were we again? Is the so set Kyber blown up yet? To bring Cersei to Tommen's body to ask okay. about funeral arrangements. <laughs> Thank God, you know. Jessica. What you do after somebody, after you kill 300 people and then your son commits suicide, Kyburn's like, so what do you want to do for funeral arrangements? <laughs> Should we put him in the rosewood casket or the cherrywood casket? Um, Cersei wants to burn they him. They to upsell you these fucks. You want to talk about evil? You know, was the last time you bought a casket. I was there once for this. Oh, God, sorry. That was dark. Yeah, I I awesome. Cool. High five. Those are the real evil fucks. Those casket sellers. They upsell the shit out of you. Do you don't, want him to don't have a... even. You watch Six Feet Under, sir. Well, actually, no, that's not a good... Um, Don't watch Six Feet Under, per se. All right, keep it reason. going. I'm, I'm sorry. That's a great TV show. My my mic-like cord is, like, tangled right now. Okay. Cersei wants to burn his body and scatter his ashes like his grandfather, his brother, and his sister. Mm-hmm. And that's what's going to happen. Okay, continue. Now I'd like to move from King's Landing. I'd like to talk about a couple of things at the twins. I'd like to return to King's Landing and then return to the twins. That sounds complicated, but it's not going to be when we do it. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. So we're going to move away from King's Landing. This mass death has happened. And do you know who doesn't know about it? Jamie Lannister, because he's just having dinner with Walter Frey. Yes. Yes. Having dinner. So let's discuss this. All right. Here's something I love about Jamie. Sure. I, I know people are down on Jamie. But here's something that Jamie did that I fucking love. And this is uh, something I think about a lot with Jamie. Jamie, uh, Jamie doesn't care about a lot of these traditions and rules. He cares about this code that he has in his heart, which is let's fuck our sisters. <laughs> what? <laughs> number, number one. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is, this is very bad. Let's, I, let's fuck our sisters one. But no, two. Honestly, what he is doing here, this protein shake is, is fucking great. <laughs> so is my wine. He, he, here's, here's what I'm trying to say. Here's what I love and admire about Jamie. He calls Walder out about the kind of like the warrior code. He's like, really? How many people have you defeated, dude? What, what it, you pretend because you do these backstabbing fucking murders where people get slaughtered and you sit there and you eat your, your pie like you're some sort of great conqueror. 
And um, Jamie, you can see the frustration in Jamie with him. Like, you don't know anything about being a warrior. Jamie does. You know, Jamie was a knight. Jamie fucking admired, admired, uh, what's his name there? Jesus Christ, help me out. Tower of Joy Knight. Wow, brain fart. That guy that you're in love with? Sir Arthur Dane. See how that jogs your memory? <laughs> Sir Arthur Dane. That beautiful, beautiful man that Ned murdered. That fucking murderer. I hate him. He's evil. Um, Sorry. Whoa. But it's crazy, dude. It's crazy to think about how Jamie is this one-armed guy who just doesn't have that martial prowess anymore. And it's just weird, almost self-loathing in a sense. Like, am I becoming this weird Walter Frey guy where I'm not actually doing the battles? I'm just sitting at the head of them. I'm not in there in the mix anymore. Did you catch that at all? I, I, it was great. It was, it was the scene, the way Jamie regarded Frey was great. I really liked it. It was cool. I love the way the serving girl looked at Jamie. As we know, that's Arya. It's great because of the great way- Great in the rewatch. It's great in the rewatch because she really has her eyes linger on him. So she, you know she's like, that's Jamie Lannister. He came to King's Landing, right? It, it, it's just- or, or, or he came to Winterfell fascinating knowing that's awesome. Arya going back because Bronn's reaction that he's jealous that the girl's looking at Jamie. Oh no, she's looking at Jamie because she's thinking about how she might murder him one day. Right. Yeah, but no, I like the conversation between them. Walder making fun of the blackfish and then Jamie makes fun of Walder. Um, and Walder doesn't care. Here we are now, two Kingslayers. Like he thinks they have this bond and that is not what Jamie's into. Yeah. He doesn't want to be compared to Walder Frey as a Kingslayer. Right. Wild. So awesome. I love this scene a lot. Now, here's where the tension really starts to mount, right? And the twins, because we come back. They, they they cut away, right? Don't fear the phrase. Fear, they fear the Lannisters. He tells them if we if if we have to ride north and take back stuff all the time. Right. Right. But before we talk about oh, Walder oh, getting killed, let's finish out our King's Landing stuff. Yeah. All right. Yeah, because we Jamie and, and Walter talk. I want to finish off Jamie and then we'll finish off the twins because okay, fair enough. I feel like then we can close the way, that section yeah, out and then we can right. just talk about Arya. All right, we'll 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 start moving here. Sometimes I just mess stuff up and do things in an order I want to, so whatever. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Okay. So Jamie returns to King's Landing, and this to me, and I know there's all this talk like, okay, Arya, Cersei's on Arya's death list, and Arya's probably gonna kill Cersei, but there is really something about Jamie's return to King's Landing and just being horrified when he sees it's burned to the ground. Yes. And then getting God, there just in time for Cersei's fucking coronation. Long may she reign. This is incredible. Nuts. This is incredible. The look on his face. He realizes Tommen must be dead. Oh, 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 oh. He realizes Cersei must play a part in this. I'm sorry. I thought what you were saying was you. it's incredible that he dared show up for this wonderful, merciful queen's coronation. That he dare show up late. I thought that's what you were getting at. <laughs> but you, you weren't, right? How dare he? This honorable and beautiful, merciful, gentle woman. He's late for the coronation. Of all people, the love of her life. Okay, continue. Good Lord. I love this scene where Cersei is sitting in the Iron Throne. I love that it's Kyburn announcing her. Cersei Lannister, first of her name. Long may she reign. And the look on Jaime's face when Cersei sees Jaime and they exchange a look. Uh, Jamie's fucking scared of her. He is. He knows that Great she acting, did something. Right? Great I acting. mean, incredible. And you know, I'm down on Jamie right now, but I'm never down on Nicholas. Nicholas blah, 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 blah. <laughs> something with a C and then something with a W because I'm not uh, going to try. Not only is he an incredibly handsome gentleman, but good Lord, he's a great actor. Mm. This is incredible. That moment, that look they exchange and Jamie is horrified. He knows. He knows 
that everybody's dead, that the Septif Baylor is gone, that Tommen is gone. Right. And he knows Cersei had a hand in it. He knows no details, but he looks at her on that throne. And he knows that she is to blame. Yep. It's nuts. And boy, this is a weird position to be in. Is 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 Jamie is Jamie the head of House Lannister? He is. I don't, he is. Yeah, well, Kevin's dead, so. Kevin's son is dead, Lancel Lannister. <sighs> right? Remember that fucking old hat? Yeah, I forgot that he was related <laughs> to Kevin. Oh, God. Sweet, sweet Kevin and, and Lancel. So I'd like to talk about the idea of the death of Cersei, which I think we're leading up to, and I think we'll probably see that next season. Well, she's not going to win. I mean, let's be exactly. Real. I know a lot of people are high on the Arya kill Cersei bandwagon. I'm totally cool with that. I'm high on it. Because it's I, the prophecy. I know that before this episode aired, people were saying that Jamie was going to kill Cersei. I'm like, oh, I don't know. It could happen. It could not happen. But after this episode, I am with you guys. I think just like he had to kill the Mad King. So he killed the Mad King to stop the Mad King from doing what Cersei just did. So many things. Yes. No, but that's specifically. Yeah, yeah. They, they bring it up. I know. Specifically. He knew there was wildfire and he knew the Mad King was going to burn everybody. And he killed him to stop mm -hmm. that. Cersei did the thing. Oh, it's, that it's she, incredible. That she knows he killed Aerys Targaryen to stop from happening. Right. And here she is in this position of power. And honestly, I really, really want to go a little bit against the obvious. Arya is going to kill Cersei. And don't get me wrong, I'm picking Cersei number one overall in my Deadpool next year. They're if both I have a chance. strong picks. But I mean. You're picking Arya in your Deadpool? No, Cersei. Oh. Please, someone thinking Arya, that was foolish. I really could see Jamie killing Cersei and it being this really emotional thing and this this big change in Jamie's character. And even if he doesn't, I think that my issues with Jamie, this I love Cersei so much, I'll do anything for her. I think that has all been shattered now. And I really think we're gonna get some great Jamie next season. And I'm I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be wild. The coronation, the coronation is unreal. Mm -hmm. The music, the lighting, her her outfit is incredible, incredible with those uh, shoulder pieces that she's wearing. The 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 uh, yeah, she looks awesome. <laughs> it, it's like a black dress, and I think they were, I think it was, uh, was it like silver on her shoulder? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was pretty fucking cool. It looked fucking incredible. I I, I was I was just blown away by it. Um, I don't know what they call that. They call that. They, that shoulder armor has a certain name. I just don't know what it is. I but. call it shoulder pads, but that's so. just me. That might just be 80s fashion. I think, I think they're called pauldrons. Oh, all right. Uh, like a pauldron, I Sounds think. Sounds fancier than shoulder, uh, oh, shoulder pads. Oh, you fancy. Yeah, but it look, it, it looked great. The, the crown she was wearing was, was pretty crazy looking. It was just, ah, man, I don't know. It was, whew, boy, it was something else. <clears throat> But yeah, you're right about Jamie's Jamie's arc going forward is going to be pretty wild. I wonder if uh, I wonder if you get this. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, but I like the idea of maybe Cersei killing killing or, or Jamie killing Cersei. That's that's incredible. Uh huh. But I know that Arya wants to get after it, so we'll see. Speaking of Arya, are we ready? Let's do it. To move on from King's Landing. We did talk about it for an hour and a half, which is sometimes the length of one podcast. And now it's just been one location. <laughs> yeah, I, I apologize for dragging you guys into all that, uh, but it was fun. I have a feeling this is going to be a long podcast. Who cares? Oh. Stop saying that. What do you right. care? I, People I'll, like more content. I don't they don't care. like less content. I can sleep in tomorrow. I'm closing. Don't you worry. All right, go ahead. 
Walter Frey's just eating dinner, just eating a fucking little pie. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> mm, delicious meat pie. And that cute girl from before, who is very pretty, mm. um, brings him some more pie. This is, I don't know if this is from the books. I don't know if people knew this was coming. There was something about where he says, where are my sons? And she says, they're here, my Lord. And he says, well, have them come. And she says, they're already here, my Lord. This was unsettling Dude. to me, like a horror movie. It was. Is that a good way to describe it? Just talking about it now, I, I truly, it was so unsettling. It was like watching a horror movie where, where something's going to happen and you know what's going to happen, but you're not sure what it's going to be. This was fucking great. <laughs> wow. It's fucking wild. The, the the lifting of the crust. Oh, that was disgusting. Oh, my I'm word. like, I don't want to look. It makes me think of like head cheese. Like, you know what head cheese is? Yeah. Oh. So can we talk about the logistics of this? Sure. So. Because I, I feel like that's is going to get pretty unrealistic when we talk about that. <laughs> she, she murdered and butchered these men and got them into the old pie crust in time. And nobody even knew. I guess. I mean, sure. I'm not going to get too nitpicky She's a faceless assassin, apparently. But we have to mention it, that faceless assassins are no joke. And a lot of people were talking about faces. I think on Facebook, I said she just threw a bunch of faces in her purse before she took off. So she's got a few different faces on standby that she needs. I have a good listener comment about that for later. I guess we'll find (laughs) out. But here is something I will say about this scene overall. It was 100% shocking to me. Oh my God, it was amazing. I did not... I knew there was going to be fuckery, but I wasn't sure. As soon as he was alone with her, I was like, okay, he's dead. He's going to be yep. assassinated. And is Varys behind this? Is Jamie behind this? Never thought it was Arya. For, no. it, until the girl said, they're right here, here. And she pointed to the pie and he realized yes. it was his dead sons. Then I think, Such I don't know Arya if move. I was the first person to say it's Arya, but but one of us in, in the group watching it was. Ooh, it was brutal. I listen, But Amazing. Arya's evil too and just kills people mercilessly is in the chat. No, just kidding. Arya's not evil, but she kind of is, but not really. Walder Frey, when he dies, I like this a lot. And I don't know if this was done on purpose, but when he dies, his head goes back and he's looking at the camera and he's got very blue eyes. Are they really trying to push home this prophecy thing? Which is what? Brown, blue, and green? Brown, blue, and green eyes you'll shut forever. Who's brown? I thought the wave. Yeah, but what about that other rando she killed? What color eyes did he have? I'm not sure. And by rando, I mean he was on her dead list, so whatever. But yeah, I know prophecy, so maybe she kills Cersei. Um, my name is Arya Stark. I want you to know that the last thing you're going to see is a Stark smiling over you as you die. That's great justice. Walter Frey was evil. <laughs> Can we agree on that chat, Senator Tamulus? Senator Tim, what are you talking about? All the, they're all on your side. They're all they know all. I know, but they're the just, masters of good and evil. I'm they know everything good and everything evil. They agree with me that Walter Frey is definitely evil. Is he? Dean <laughs> <laughs> now justifies Walter Frey as a character, and we are here all night. Uh, Ari is working on her Deadpool. So Scott Cruz in the chat. People who aren't in the live chat, you're really missing out. I'm just gonna just gonna throw that out there. Oh, fuck. But I'm dealing with a bunch of high sparrows, you guys, with your all, all your good and evil rules. Good Lord. All right. Ah, that that was just a, just a tremendous scene. Cool to see Arya. I did not expect to see her. I did this. not expect Walter Frey to die this episode. I did not expect it Oh, at some all. people did. Well, because they knew he My was coming in the previous. says. No, yeah. no, no. Some people knew it before the season even really started. Well, that's different than guessing late game is, is hard, man. All right. 
I don't know because I did a Deadpool for the final episode and I came in in second place. So just saying. You don't know about that, Dean, because you weren't in it. Yeah. But David Earl does if he's in the chat because he won. And Tony <laughs> Piccolo organized it. So if he's in the chat, he knows. There you go. Where to next? I wrote Sam is boring and the chat is now going to shit on me because they all love Sam. I like this, actually. You know why? Because the timing of it was good. It was a break. The comedic beats were decent enough to make me smile. Could we not have had a comedic beat with the hound instead? We got plenty of hounds. No, there's not enough hound ever. I agree. But we had to check in on Sam. Him getting (laughs) to the Citadel was important, I think. I just like when... (laughs) Speaking of... By the way, speaking of evil... That thieving fuck. <laughs> Fucking Sam. That thieving fat fuck. Gilly just carrying around that baby and lying about who the dad is. Um, I like when Sam gets to the Citadel and he's like, hello. And he says it in his like Sam voice. Yeah, it was awesome. And again, we were watching with people and I swear to God, all four of us at the same time just repeated Sam right. after he said hello to that guy because it's just such a... I don't know, a Sam way to be. You know what I have to say about Sam? I'm really rooting for him. I've told you this before. We can kind of relate to him in a sense, the, the common man in a sense. One of the things I like about Sam a lot is, is I like that he's going to fucking become a maester. And maesters aren't typically murdered unless they're scumbags like Pycelle. So remember, I was gonna say, Sam. I just saw a maester murdered. So Pause. remember, Sam, pay the whores or you're going to get Oliver Twist kids stabbing you out. Literally murdered by like 20 children stabbing him like a horrible horror movie. So maybe you did pick the wrong profession, Sam, but okay. Mm. I just, I think this path for him really, I, he's one character I'm very confident in saying I think will live through the series. Mm, I disagree. Okay. Well, can we put a bet on it now? No, not right now. No, just forever. For the next 14 episodes what? of Game of Thrones, I'm going to write it down. We'll put it somewhere. If Sam lives throughout the whole series, then I will take you out to dinner. And if he dies, then you can take me out to dinner. Done. Wait a second. Did you hear what that just... You You said what? Sam was going to live. Yeah, he is. I said he's going to die. Oh, okay. So I I said, let's make a bet on it. Here, No, here's a better bet. All right, fine. And we have to remember this. I should shake. Reach over. Here, shake. No, because I don't know what we're shaking on. Okay, here's the bet. If Sam lives, you have to make a video, a short video on Facebook, on our Game of Thrones Facebook page saying that I am the master, I am right, saying saying about me, that I'm the master, I'm right, okay. that you're wrong, that Cersei is not evil. <laughs> <laughs> and, I hope someone in the chat's writing this down. And okay. that your favorite character is Ilaria Sand. Deal? Uh, if I must. Okay, what do I have to say on there? It has to be Game of Thrones related. Don't be stupid. Excuse me, who said I was going to be stupid? I'm warning you. Okay, go ahead. What's the bet? You have to say that I am right and that you are wrong and I'm the smartest person that there ever was when it comes to Game of Thrones. Okay, what else? Um, you have to say that Cersei is evil, the most evil. Okay, there you go. I was okay. going to say I am. <laughs> you have to say your favorite character is Dario Naharis. Fair enough. That's, I feel good about that. Do you want to restructure it real quick? What do you mean? All right, move on. <laughs> so we've made a bet. Sam lives. She says he dies because she's a cold, evil woman. Speaking of evil. So at uh, the Citadel, they still think J.R. Mormont is the Lord Commander. 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 That's my accent coming out because I've had too much wine. That's awkward because he's been dead a long time and somebody else drank wine out of his skull. Right. That's crazy. By the way, hey, hey, Citadel, maybe you should read a book on how to upgrade your internet because you should be getting fucking messages <laughs> from the fucking wall. Where are your ravens? Dude, fix your raven train. Did you like Sam's irregular joke? It wasn't bad. Listen, Sam's cute 
and I'd hug him if I met him. But if I'm in a finale, I again would rather see the hound or Brienne. Can I say one last thing? Yeah. I just shit on Sam all the time. I feel bad. Yeah, I love Sam. I love him, but then I crap on him. It's it, See that? You guys think I'm evil. Here I am telling you how much I love Sam. I love Gilly. She Sam's, was so cute. Sam's book boner, would you say is bigger or smaller than Cersei's mass murder boner? Oh God, they were close. They're very close. All I think about is... <laughs> I am like super nerdy. Surprise, surprise. But when I was like a kid, I would just like dream of giant libraries. Like I thought this was amazing. And I understand how Sam felt when right. he saw the giant library. You know, I used to dream that I would find a library like that one day, but they're not like that here. So whose boner is bigger, Sam's book boner or Cersei's mass murder boner? I think they're real close. Okay. You're going to call them even? No, the mass murder boner, I think is bigger. A little bigger. I think yeah, so too. Because of evil, you know. Yeah. Evil, <laughs> evil. Yeah. <laughs> Gives it a Dean couple. murders me later. Listen, if if evil, if being evil gives you two more inches, I will blow up five sept of Baylor's. Um, Winterfell. Awkward. Oh wait, where do you want to go? We're gonna talk about Winterfell now. Badass. So John laments about where he used to sit during feasts. These fucking still white privilege kids. Emo little shit. These fucking white kids won a war, and he's still being emo. <laughs> I love Jon Snow. You know what I like about this he part specifically? His nails black. Oh, what? Sorry, go ahead. Here's what I love about Jon Snow, besides just about everything, is this. I love that this shows that he's still kind of a young man, you know? He, yeah. This is something, and it's not this big deal, like, for him to say such a thing. I don't want to rest on it, but how Melisandre's like, at least you had feasts type of... Oh, shut up, Melisandre. You burn people at the stake. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's evil, too. Oh, uh, yeah. You're probably right. Probably right. Um... Yeah, man. Well, it's, they're having um, this lovely chat. They are having a lovely chat. And in comes Mr. Showstopper, Liam Cunningham, to do some hardcore acting and then drop a mic on a bitch. Who boy. Wow. This is sad and tragic and beautiful yes. the way he loves her. I'm so it is glad. so touching. It almost made me weep. I felt so bad for him. So glad that he was able to confront Melisandre, that he was able to find out what happened to Shireen, that it wasn't a mystery to him, um, that he had some type of closure in regards to the situation. I'm glad for that. I'm glad that he knows. Good Lord, this guy's a great actor. He's awesome. And one of my boyfriends on the show, for sure. Yeah, what's the total combined age of your boyfriends? Is it 700? (laughs) It's it's pretty bad. (laughs) Anyway, <laughs> this is incredible. There is a real moment of panic here on Melisandre's face where she pulls the old, you're going to need me, you'll need me speech. And uh, Jon Snow puts down the hammer in a way that I think is fair from Jon's perspective. You know, Jon's not going to order this woman executed. She he wasn't brought there. Him back to life. Yeah, but besides that, he wasn't there. He wasn't part of these stupid fucking politics. You know, Stannis, this woman doesn't burn burn this girl at the stake without the king making it happen. So John knows clear. this. Yeah, John knows this. So he can't, he's not going to, he's not going to, he's just banishes her essentially, rides south. I, I appreciate too, not I appreciate it, but Melisandre made it clear, um, you know, Davos loved Shireen and she killed her. So did her father. So did her mother. Yeah. And I think that's very sad too, because Davos also loved Stannis. Right. And and they loved their kid too. I know that sounds fucked up. 
You know about my relationship with Stannis. Oh, it's complicated. I know. I, we can't go into it now. His name is crossed out on the mug. <laughs> awesome. Speaking of mugs. Um, so, <laughs> bad news from Alessandra. She says, I didn't lie. I was wrong. Well. People make mistakes, but most people who make mistakes don't burn children at the stake. So, sorry. <laughs> I accidentally tied her to this thing and lit it on fire. Jesus. Jon Snow banishes her, and then, of course, Davos says, if I see you, I will... He uses the word execute. That's mm-hmm. what I like about Davos, Me right? Too. Me he too. uses the word execute because he's... It's it's not killing. It's not murder. It is justice. He will execute you, which, in his opinion, is the justice that she deserves. And Davos he tells is her, not going to torture somebody. No. He's just going to do what the law says, which is why Stannis cut off his fingers and he still worked for Stannis. There you go. So... It continues. Uh, Sansa and John talk. Oh my God. Sansa. They are talking about his heritage. She says, You're stark to me. That made me smile. They yeah. discuss Littlefinger and trust. We need each other. Obviously, we can't fight each other. We have enemies now, more enemies than we have. I like how we get a little insight into John on Littlefinger because he's never really interacted with Littlefinger, has he? And it shows here. All he knows is what he's heard. And he says, well, do you trust him? And of course, Sansa says, of course not. I don't trust Littlefinger. Good for her, though. She's a smart girl. Right. She brings up the raven from the Citadel, a white raven. Winter is here. I love this moment where they share a chuckle before the father always promised. Didn't Didn't he? he? Oh, I love the it. way him and the way her and John share a smile like they simultaneously inside joke share a, a childhood memory together. It's so genuine and it connects the characters. I think it's great. Later in the God's Wood, of course, Littlefinger and Sansa chat. Ooh, good. Let's talk about that. Boy, he just outs with it. What I've always wanted. He makes it very clear he wants the Iron Throne. And I think that says something about his opinion of Sansa because for six seasons, we've watched Littlefinger be quiet about what he wanted. And we've said, does he want to be on the Iron Throne? Like, what does he actually want? What's his plan? Does he want power? Cast as a ladder, blah, 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 all this crap. And here he's like, hey, here's what I want. I want to sit at the Iron Throne. I want you to be my wife. Yes. And then he's like, let's make out. Yes. And Sansa says, friend zone. Pump your ro- pump, pump, uh, pump your brakes. Bro. I'm like, yeah, let's make out. And Sansa says... Or Mormont territory, friend zoned. Can I just say something? His desire for the Iron Throne, I think, outweighs whatever he thinks he feels for Sansa. Oh, this I point. agree. Um, I don't think. I think whatever that weird thing is. I mean, I'm sure he wants to bone her because you know that's how men are. You get this fucking thing in your head where you want to bone this one chick, and you're a crazy person like Littlefinger. Uh, he just can't shake that. But it's the Iron Throne, he's always on. There's a moment I recall, I don't remember what episode or what season. It's early though, maybe episode, maybe season one, where him and Varys, he's like, what do you want? They're standing in the throne room. It's empty. And, and Littlefinger turns and he looks at the Iron Throne. And Varys is like, hmm, interesting. Now we're seeing, now we're seeing, he's literally telling her he wants to sit on the Iron Throne. He's never explicitly said, uh-huh. I want to sit on the Iron Throne. And I love that we have Varys in Essos and Littlefinger over here, and they're both still at it. These two men are still at it, and Littlefinger's still at it. He still wants that iron fucking throne. He's still driven by his desire for power to sit on the iron throne. He can't simply just be wherever he was. He wants the ultimate power, which is crazy, because everyone that sits on the thing is fucking dead meat. 
I do think that there's something about Littlefinger. I think that he is so driven by his power and having power. I think he's similar to Cersei in that manner, where he will do whatever it takes to put himself in power. But I do think this these feelings he has for Sansa or he thinks he has for Sansa because of his feelings for Catelyn will be his downfall at a point. I think that that's important. I think that that is not just him spewing shit to Sansa to get Sansa on his side. The fact that he's told her something that he has never said to anybody about what he truly wants means something. In his mind, there's a part of him that thinks, I love this woman. I need to trust her. She is going to be my right hand. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think that this will be the downfall of Littlefinger. But before it's the downfall of Littlefinger, I think it's going to cause a lot of problems because I think that he got in Sansa's head. And we'll talk about what he says to Sansa and my opinion on it and how you and I differ on that. Yes, that's totally, totally awesome. Let's do that. So he tells her he declared for House Stark. She's the future of the house, not John. Right. She's a rightful heir. She was born in Winterfell, the daughter of Catelyn and Ned. John is some bastard from the South. He right. puts this idea in her head, which he already has. He's already put that idea in her head, and we've already seen that Sansa has that thought. This should all be hers, not John's. Even John said he was going to set up the main bedroom for Sansa. It should be hers. She's the rightful Mm -hmm. heir. And she was like, no, 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 you're a Stark to me, whatever. And that's lovely. But here's Littlefinger again, putting this idea in her head. This belongs to you, rightfully, not John. Right. Okay. Okay. Shall we move on to the North remembers? Yes, please do. I mean, King of the North. Yes, please do. The North meets up. The North has a little bit of a old party, a little bit of a party where all these northern lords are all like we're sorry we didn't come to fight with you I know, these but we love you now <laughs> um does glover not sound exactly like alistair thorne when he speaks he does exactly like alistair thorne close accent, your eyes oh my oh word boy. it's it's incredible how how similar these men sound i love it and i was reminded of poor sweet 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 alistair thorne I was going to say Ollie. I was going to vomit everywhere. <laughs> I spared you. I spared you. So the war is not over. Powerful scene. The war is not over, Dean. The true enemy is not going to wait out this storm. Mm. And then something Scary. amazing happens. Something amazing happens. You've been waiting all day and all night to talk about this. So why don't you go? And that amazing thing is fucking Leanna Mormont, my favorite character on <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> All these motherfuckers are chilling like, hey, we're safe now. Cool. And Leanna Mormont's like, hey, you, where were you during the battle? Nowhere. You, where were you? Oh, you weren't there either. But House Mormont remembers. The North remembers. We know no king but the king in the North whose name is Stark. Yes. Sansa smiles. Yes. And then Lyanna says that she means John. He may be a snow, but he's a Stark to her. And he is the true king of the North. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if you do not like Leanna Mormont. I can't talk number. to you. She is. I don't even know. I just am obsessed with her. She, She's so good. Like the chat saying, she put those men on blast. She's amazing. She said, "Where were you? We had sixty-two men, and we pledged our banner to House Stark against Ramsay Bolton. It's incredible. Ramsay Bolton. Maybe they didn't think he was evil enough. <laughs> <laughs> but in this, this girl with her sixty-two Bear Islanders." pledged to House Stark. That is titanic stones. Okay. This girl's related to Jorah, my number one boyfriend. Yes. And she's also now my favorite character on the show. Yes. (laughs) 
I, I believe they're cousins. I love the Mormons. I need a Mormont t-shirt. I know I'm supporting House Stark right now, but I gotta. I need some Bear Island gear here. I'm pretty sure it doesn't exist, but it should. Right. So, <laughs> Manderley and, and Glover. I love, I love, was it Lord Manderley? I believe so. Immediately says, I fucked up. I'm here for you. I'm pledging your, my sword to you now. And uh, please don't execute me. <laughs> yeah, no shit, right? Uh, so, hey, look, the North has been rallied. The North finally remembers at least all of the North does. Of course, the major houses. And uh, they've rallied behind John. Now, he is the white wolf, the king of the North. That's right. Because they call Rob, what, young the young wolf. wolf. Yes. The young wolf and John is the white wolf, of yes. course. The young wolf, a good battle commander by by all accounts. And now we've got the, the, the white wolf. Mm-hmm. So you and I read the end of this a little differently. Yeah. Oh, let's talk. King so, of the North, king cheer, of the North, king of the North. Cheer. Cheer, hold on, cheer, cheer, king of the north, king of the north, thrust swords high. We're all fucking crying, but then we remember Sansa's they chanted this smiling. about Rob Stark and he died, so then we cry for a different reason. Sansa's smiling, Sansa's happy, and then she turns and looks at Littlefinger, who's sort of got this real like Oscar the Grouch. Grouch yeah. <laughs> that Oscar the Grouch just popped out of his garbage can kind of face going on. And then... Sansa's face sort of changes. And I think, wow, she's realized she's happy for her brother. And now she's realizing that Littlefinger is going to be a problem and she's got to figure out how to manage him. You're reading it differently. Mm -hmm. Tell me how you are reading it. I read it that she's starting to take some stock in what Littlefinger had to say. And she thinks that she is a rightfully at her Winterfell. She should be queen of the North. They should be chanting for her. Wow. So you think she's worried about John, not about Littlefinger? Yeah, not not worried about John per se. John's still her brother, and she's but more in this like thing. But I think that big ideas. I think that her thought is, wait a second. John yeah. told me that I could have Winterfell, that okay. I was the Lady of Winterfell, okay. and here he is letting people chant for him. Huh. I thought he was going to make that bedroom up for me. I like it. I'm the rightful heir. He's not. I like it a lot. And I think we've already seen hints of this throughout the season from her. And I think Baelish putting that idea in her head. Yes, has really brought to the forefront, especially in the circumstance. Yes. Yeah. And I think that that is going to be a problem. And I do not think that Sansa is going to try to go to war against John or fight against John. But I think that is certainly a subplot that we're going to see where there is this lack of a trust between them, where there is this circumstance where they, I don't even think John feels like he's a rightful heir, which is what I think is crazy, where Sansa feels like she's the rightful heir, and John probably feels like Sansa's the rightful heir, but everybody else is rallying behind John. Mm. And I think that's going to cause a problem between her and John, although John is not the culprit. He was willing to give it to Sansa, just like Theon was like, here you are, you be the queen. Mm, he was like, here, Sansa, you take the main bedroom. Interesting. But everybody else rallies behind John. And she can't just be like, no, 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 rally behind me. She's not going to go against him. So it's going to be this like insidious, like inside thing that she's not talking about. It's going to build up and build up and build up till it's a problem. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's it's really fascinating because Jon Snow was given an opportunity once. Obviously, he wasn't ready for it, but he was given an opportunity once by Stannis to be Jon Stark. And he didn't take it because he didn't want to <laughs> abandon his men at Castle Black. And then they murdered him. So that's unfortunate we, for we, everybody. We we open the scene, and now that I'm thinking more about it, we open the thing. We open we open this Winterfell stuff with John re- recounting 
how he sat at the little kids' table over there, not with the family while family was eating. So part of me wonders if he feels disconnected to Winterfell a little bit. Mm-hmm. Does he really, truly feel like he is the king in the, the Lord north? of Winterfell, yeah. I wonder if he has reservations about that. I wonder if he's not quite ready for that responsibility. But when you have every major house in the north cheering your fucking name, you're going to stand up and be recognized. But I wonder how he really feels about it at this point. I wonder what's going through John's head, part of that. The other part I wonder is... And, and, that, and that would make sense character-wise. It would make sense for John to be like, but I don't know, fuck, right? Mm-hmm. It would make sense for me, for right. him to feel that way. Which is why he wanted to give it to Sansa. And that's why I'm saying it's everyone rallies behind John for something John doesn't necessarily want. Right. And then your read on your read on the Sansa thing is interesting because maybe it could be a little bit of both. Maybe she's like, oh, I'm kind of happy for my brother, but like Littlefinger said, don't I kind of deserve this too? And, and takes take a perspective on Sansa a minute. Here's a woman who knows that Peter Baelish is, like him or hate him, Peter Baelish has survived. He comes from a tiny, shitty house. He, right or wrong, decided that he was going to duel Brandon Stark one day because he loved Catelyn so much. I mean, he stood up for her and got cut to pieces. He's lucky he didn't die. Mm-hmm. So he has this weird thing in him. He shows that he has this weird thing. In he him. shows that he's capable of rising above his house's station and becoming a major player, master of coin. He rallied the Knights of the Vale. He controlled the Knights of the Vale from Robin Aaron, who he's controlled. Mm-hmm. And he showed up. Yeah, he helped Sansa. I'm sure he has his own motivations as well. That's a given. Nobody ever makes these. Well, people rarely have these soul altruistic intentions in this. They're Except always for Bran something of Stark. going. I mean, Bran of Stark, Bran of Tarth. Who well, whatever. Is Bran of Stark but, but, now. But basically. my point is, is, is that Sansa knows all of this about Littlefinger. So she has to be thinking it's hard just to discard this guy. It's hard just to throw him to the wind because she kicked his ass out of that room and said, I could have Bran cut you down and no one would stop me. But then she's writing a fucking letter. Come save me. So she has this weird relationship. I am a little girl, kind of. I think she kind of has a crush on him a little. She does. But I I think it's almost like rote. Like she's almost like wrapped up in this relationship of dependence that she can't quite break out of with him because she hasn't really freed herself of him yet, and she just can't quite figure out how to do it. And, and she knows that he's fond of her, and she knows that she can use that if she needs to. Which and it's not like he's just right. It's not like he's just some, some fucking jabroni who has no power and can't influence anything. He clearly can. He, he won the battle. Mm-hmm. They lost the battle of the bones until the Knights of the Vale showed up. It was over. They were lost. Let's not get it twisted. Mm-hmm. This is a guy you want in your corner, right? From Sansa's perspective, this is a guy that's already fond of her, so it's hard for her. She's got herself in this really weird position, and I think it's a really good catch by you because at first I was like, "Oh, she's sick of this fucking chucklehead," but no, it's way more complicated than that. And you're right. I, I'm 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 changing my tune. I'm taking your side on this. I love when I convince you to take my side. So, what do you think about Cersei? No, just kidding. Oof. Um, I would also like to make mention before we leave this section of everything is this King of the North chant, mm. which is fucking beautiful and wonderful when it's happening and it gives you the goose flesh yes. and you're just like, yes, and I put on my House Stark t-shirt and these are my people. And then I remember Rob Stark because we saw this Ooh. basically oh, they that same the, uh, exact, the scenes, right? yep, this same exact scene occurred where, except it wasn't, it was during the battle is when they were, they were out going to go to war and whatever. And we, we, we saw the same people, the same houses 
declare for Rob Stark and chant King of the North. And at that time, back in season whatever, two or three, whenever it was that we we did Reigns of Castamere, we we watched it and it was this emotional thing. And, you know, it was season three. Okay. And then Rob was slain. So I'm just saying that it's a little con- it's a little concerning. Right. It worries me that things will not go well. I, I feel like we killed Jon Snow once. I don't know how many times we can kill him before we get into Walking Dead territory and I'm mad at the show. He's really only got his next death is a death as mm. far as I'm concerned. We can't do this bullshit with him anymore. Yeah. But it worries me seeing this repetitive scene. I hope that it's repetitive because we're going to see the difference in how Jon Snow is victorious because, you know, he's a Targaryen. I think but- I think Nathan's uh, made his best point in the night. And that's this. That's why John turns it down if he is not Rob. Yeah, he doesn't want that power right. like Rob did. Right. I think that's going to be the great separator when the chips fall. Yeah. Is, is that Rob felt like he was the right the rifle, king. Which he never was, and Ned wouldn't have even backed them. Absolutely. That's the craziest part of that. Ned would have backed and told Rob to fucking oh, knock it off. 100%. Absolutely. Yes, and that might have been part of... Rob, Rob was a very passionate young man, and that was his undoing. No he, shit. He was too passionate. He, he had to wanted, marry that freaking. He thought nurse. he could. He was a great battle commander. He was. He had some some good victories. I think it was the Green Fork. A couple other victories. I might be wrong on that, but and then he passionately fell in love with a, a lowborn woman who got her fucking pregnant belly stabbed in this tragic event known as the Red Wedding, and now <laughs> and now he's gone. I think I think John's more cagey than Rob, and I think John is. You know that's just the way he is. That's that's how he's been. And uh, I think him not wanting to just embrace this and get up and hoot and holler is one of the reasons that will, at the end of this, will separate the mistakes that Rob made that he will not make. Boom. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Shall we leave Winterfell? We're going to talk about John again later. Yes. Let's move on to my other favorite thing other than Sam. Dorn. I like it. This just was kidding, the, one though. Of, honestly, one of the best Dorn scenes has ever been. I was just going to say that, and you want to know why? Elena Tyrell. Lady Elena, thank God she did not die in, I don't know, whatever people are, the green trial, whatever the fuck you people want to call it. <laughs> Lady Elena, to me, is just, she's like Lana Morma, the young version and the old version, both incredible. Mm-hmm. The shit Elena says, I just can't. Wearing black, because she's in mourning, of course. A great catch by a friend of the show, Mike, who watched it with us, who said, oh, wow, she's wearing, she's in black. And I was like, holy shit, good catch. She must already know. Because we didn't know the time frame as far as when but she was But you know there. what? Great storytelling. Great pacing. We don't need to see her weep and cry and put on her black bullshit. We just need to cut forward. What is she going to do about it? We don't need all the bullshit in between. Um, listen, Alari was on my Deadpool. And if Elena Tyrell would have just stabbed her and she would have died, that would have been great. But I guess they're going to make an alliance and help Danny. That's yes. fine. I'll take her next season. Yes. I love this show with the sand snakes and Elena making fun of them. Yes. Honestly, Let I the like the Laria. women speak. I like the Laria here. Mm. This is her finest moment in the season. No, her finest moment was this season where she had long hair. No, no, no. In this season. Oh, this season. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I guess. She's, she makes it clear. And it's funny. I wrote in parentheses officially. The Lannisters declared war on House Tyrell and House Dorne. Obviously not officially. But um, <clears throat> just by killing their people. I'm not interested in survival. And Elaria rephrases. Okay, good. Enter who? Oh, oh Lord Varys. Varys. Who just makes Dorne even better. Like a 
boss. Wearing like the a, a robe like I've never seen. Right. Honestly. Let's talk about that robe. Olana's house. It's fancy as fuck. Olana's family was ripped from her. How much time does she have left on this earth? Realistically, before she has to suck down some milk of the poppy and just go out. I don't know, but she's amazing. She's going to go out with a bang. She's going to try to go out with a bang. She has uh, vengeance on her mind or justice, whatever you want to call it. She has vengeance vengeance and justice. Alaria corrects Mm. herself. Indeed. She knows that's what Alana wants. Right. And she wants fire and blood. And and, and Vara steps forward and says, we're going to do this. And here's how. Wow. Whenever Vara stepped into the frame, I thought to myself, you crafty son of a bitch. He knows how he knows what's going on with the politics in Dorne. He knows how they feel about the Lannisters in general. He knows that this Lannister kid was killed. That that he know well, he knows the the whole Lannister thing, the whole the whole going back to the princess being killed. All that shit is still sore. And uh, what a move by Varys to go see how it's Dorne. I love this. I love bringing Dorne back into the fray. Yeah, I don't love bringing Dorne back into the fray because I don't like Dorne. But if we're going to bring them back in, if they're surrounded by Olena Tyrell and Varys, then I guess I can let it I go. Think you, I, think to, I think to clarify, you mean you don't like Ilari and the Sand Snakes, which is essentially representing Dorne. Yeah, because I loved Oberyn. Like, right, that's I my loved point. If Oberyn. an Oberyn character showed up, you'd feel differently about Dorne. Yeah, I'm looking at my little Oberyn Funko Pop action figure, and he's just lovely, and I wish he was back. Yeah, I I'm you. sorry that um, his brother, who is... I don't know. His name is Julian Bashir to me. I don't even remember his name on the show anymore, which shows what I have to say about him. So Dorne is low for me, but I like them Prince fighting Dorne. for, for Danny. Yeah, me too. They're coming in. And I like, I like all the fucking women <laughs> being at the forefront of this shit. I know like you're going to make fun of me. And why would I make fun of you? Because you always do when I talk about that stuff. Do I? Yes. <laughs> Am I That's being why serious? all the feminist comments I put on your comment am page. I, am, I, am I being serious or, or maybe am I being a bit facetious? All I know is, I don't know who runs the world, girls. And uh, here we go. We're already starting. Girls run Bears the world. Paris is helping, but <laughs> it's Alaria running door now and Olena, the last of the Tyrells, and they are going to work together to help Danny become a fucking queen. All right. I think you're probably right about it, that. It, it, I like that. And I just hope I don't have to see a lot of Alaria doing stupid bullshit. She's just going to be like Team Danny, and I'm pretty cool with that. And you know, yes, I do. So let's um, move on. Where Marine. Marine. So Daenerys breaks up with the Dario. <laughs> Fucking hallelujah! <laughs> <laughs> this is beautiful. Dario tries the old "I don't care about anything except you" move. Doesn't work. <laughs> Classic beatnik, you know, let the world burn. I'll take my shoes off. We'll just make love in the grass. The dwarf told you to do this. Yep. Clever fellow. And he did. As we learn, how did he take it? No, right? but I just love who comes after you. Who can follow Daenerys Stornborn, mother of dragons. And Danny's like, I'm a bunch of chicks that you're going to bang. <laughs> fair. Fair Bye. point. Um, Is Dario really gone? Do I? Because like, I didn't like him, but you know, it was kind of fun to make fun of him. And if he's gone, that's like, I don't know. One last person I can make fun of. He's 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 gone, but he's but he's there in her stead. So he's I mean he's gone he's gone. We might not see him for a while unless we do check ins on Marine. I but, hope not. Good lord. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Anyway, 
She breaks up with him. I don't, we don't need to linger on this. They rename Slaver's Bay to Bay of Dragons. Yeah, I wrote that down. Uh, Dario says, you'll get the throne. I hope it makes you happy. This is a great line that is a little understated, but it's interesting. You know, she's this restless woman on a mission for this throne. She's after this thing, this status, this birthright that she believes is hers. What a fascinating motivation for her. And, um, and, and I like, and, and, and there's a wisdom in, in Dario's sentence here saying, you know, I, I hope it makes you happy. Meaning he knows you're not really happy. Maybe this chair will make you happy. It's kind of how I took it from him. I took which it is pretty like wild. he was some bitch getting dumped. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, Rachel in the chat said, now he's the friend zone. Not so funny now, huh, Dario? Mm. Yes, Rachel. Yes. There you go. He's going to call go. Jora. They're going to fucking have a beer. They're going to talk about how Danny broke both their hearts. Mm-hmm. At you least know? you got to have sex with her, Dario. Look at my face. I look like the lizard man in the Batman comics. I miss Jorah so much. You don't know how to fuck. All right. They bid each other farewell. Darius speaks with Tyrion. They discuss self-sacrifice. Darius doesn't speak with anybody because he's fucking out Daenerys of the picture. speaks with Tyrion. They discuss self-sacrifice. Tyrion knows it was hard, of course, and he's terrible at consoling. And he says, you have your armies. You have your ships and your dragons. Everything, everything you've ever wanted. wanted. It's all yours for the taking. Are you afraid? Good. You're in the great game now. I love how she does admit to being afraid here. I also love her explanation of her breakup with Dario. She broke up with this man that loved her, that she thought she cared for. And when she broke up with him, she felt nothing, just impatience, right. that she right. wanted it to be over with. And that, to me, is fascinating. It's awesome. That she, she thought she cared for this man loved him she spent this time with him but when it came time to get rid of him she was just like i want this to be over and to move on to the next thing yes it, it never was oh dario is my fucking man right it was this is this thing that i can do now but the second i can't do it that's fine it, 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 i like the explanation but i have to say it wasn't shocking we never no no not at all I, we never i never got the impression she was overly fond of him no uh, emotionally but but it was it was it's it's weird to hear her admit it to herself. I think it's a great growing Correct. point for Daenerys. I think it's 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 proof of the situation with Jorah too, where she was emotionally impacted by her situation with Jorah to exile him, to have him come back, to exile him again, to have him save her life, to try to exile him again and then say, Oh my God, you're dying. I don't want you to die. I still need you to come back to me. There's right. such a difference in their relationships. And I'm not saying she had bang Jorah. I know she's probably not, but I'm just saying that there is an emotional connection between her and Jorah where there isn't the same thing between her and Dario. Right. Cause yes, I'm going to talk about Jorah, even though he wasn't in the episode. Okay. Moving along. He wasn't the first oh. to love you, and he will not be the last. And I was like, is Tyrion going to try to make out with Danny? But that did not happen, thank God. And here's something I love about Tyrion. <clears throat> I love these little diatribes he goes on, and, and I like this one in particular, how he's talking about how everyone always wanted him to believe in things. And here's what I love about Tyrion. Jesus Christ, what kind of mess are you making? <laughs> Jesus Christ, with a banging and the fucking smashing. <laughs> I have like three glasses in front of me. It's really hard. Why are you telling me to wrap it up when keep, you no, brought I'm saying, it up? Keep it moving. Okay, well, you brought it up. So um, he says, Tyrion is all, has always been a skeptic, and that's what I love about him. He's always questioned things. He's always imagined that there are that things are a little bit deeper, right? Right. He doesn't just simply label things evil. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, but but <laughs> like I like some people we know. <laughs> 
But I like I like how he's like, they always want to believe in things. Well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to just believe for believing's sake. Um, but I am here. How revealing. Yeah, I believe in you. Oh, it's so good. I believe in you. I'd swear you a sword, but I don't own a sword. I love Tyrion. He's such, his dialogue is incredible. And that's such a great line. And then we get to the point where. Oh, incredible. As I've already said, like 17 times in this podcast, we've watched this with other people. And at this moment, if I had been by myself, I would have cried. I almost cried. And it was almost like when Hodor died and I cried in front of people because I could not help myself. This made me so emotional when he gave when she gave him that pin. It's amazing. It, it was incredible. The way she says she doesn't know if it's right. She hopes that it's the way it should be. It it was I don't know, it was lovely. I don't know what else to say about it. It was incredible. Here it is was something. really emotional. I thought about this quite a bit while I was at work today being bored. I thought that if you start to think about who's been hand of the king. Tyrion before. Tyrion before. Ned Stark, right? Tywin Lannister. I think that's it. And they have... No, no, no um, Aaron. John Aaron. Yeah, but but I'm saying we never saw him operate his hand. No, we just saw his dead body, but okay. We just saw his dead body with them creepy stones on his eyeballs. <laughs> and incense burning. And Cersei and Jamie giving each other the fuck you eyes over his corpse. They love to bang their corpses. <laughs> it's their or MO. Jamie loves to, at least. It's their MO. Um, so here's what I want to say. We... We, when we were first introduced to Ned Stark, we took it that we we kind of understood this is an honorable and competent man, a man who lives and dies by his principles and will not compromise himself ethically. Something to be admired, something that doesn't last long in a game where people play by different rules than you. Unfortunately, you're not going to last long in that game. It's kind of like if you assemble to play basketball and you're playing by the rules and nobody else is and nobody's there to enforce those rules, chances are you're probably not going to win. And that's kind of the position Ned found himself in. But we, when he was asked to be handed the king by Robert, we went, wow, he probably really deserves it. When Tyrion got it, he just was given to him. When Tywin got it, we know he's competent, but it was just sort of given to him. This shit with these two, he's been with her. He's really, it's something Tyrion's- Tyrion's crying. No, I'm not. It's something Tyrion's really earned. He's really showed that he's competent enough for her to make this and give it to him. It's not like this willy-nilly, you're going to be on the hand of my king because you're my buddy and I need you. You're going to be hand of the king because you're my grandfather and I'm afraid of you, right? It's it's something, It he's a fucking Lannister, a foreign Lannister, somebody who betrayed Aerys Targaryen house, his house, betrayed yes. her house, and here he is earning a hand of the king from her. That's fucking amazing. That means something, the fact that their houses it really does mean so something. opposed. And it means something to Tyrion. And Tyrion believes in Danny, and he really does. And I don't know. It's incredible to me. And this this moment was amazing and very emotional. And I'm just thrilled for what these two are going to do going forward, honestly. It was awesome. Where to? We're still in Marine because okay. we got one more scene to talk about, the closing scene of the episode. Go for it. Ships everywhere. Uh, did you catch some of the banners? Oh, yes, I did. What a nad-pumping scene this was. So we see our Targaryen flags. We see flags of the Sunspear from Dorne. We see the Tyrell House flags. That? We see the Greyjoy flags. And what else do we see? We see Theon and Yara. We see Grey Worm and the Unsullied. Very cool. We see the Dothraki. Masande. We see the dragons. And then we finally get Danny, Tyrion, Varys, and Masande. 
and we're going to Westeros. We've waited six years for this. Six years, everybody. All right, can we talk about this for a second? Cersei's doomed. Oh, yeah, fucking 100%. King's Landing. But she's going to be dead before fucking Danny can kill her. King's Landing cannot withstand this attack, Mm-mm. which means something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. There's no way, in my opinion, there's no way Daenerys, I'm not sure. Here's what I'm thinking. I don't think, I don't want to say there's no way. That's a bit harsh. I don't see Danny getting there with all her ships intact. I just don't see it. So is she going to meet Euron on the open sea and fucking have a Navy battle? Oh yeah, probably. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. I got to believe so. Because if she lands- That handsome gentleman needs to come back. Right. We haven't seen the last of Euron. He's got boats. I mean, he's probably built three by now. Uh, how- <laughs> I mean, if he did a really good job, he's probably built three. I just don't see Cersei. If, because here's the reality. If Cersei lands on the continent, game over, bitch. Game over. Dorne and Tyrell are fighting for her. The Lannisters are the only fucking people loyal to the crown. And the Lannisters are Jamie and Cersei right. and like Bronn. <laughs> and, I, and I just don't see John and I just don't see her traveling north to destroy the north. They're going to come to some kind of agreement. No, they're going to go to King's Landing first, no matter what, because all these other people have beef with King's Landing. And right, the they, North has beef with King's Landing too. No, that's my point. And, yeah. I, and, and, and she's, there's no, there's no contest. She cannot be contested with this force. It's just a matter of showing up and them surrendering at this point. They have no battle. There's no fight in them. I mean, I could see, I could even see Jamie saying, we're going to fucking surrender. And maybe Cersei not wanting to and him taking taking her out. There's no way they can fight this, this, this three dragons and all these troops. Plus you have a house. You have two houses that are already there on the continent that are, that are, that are, that are declaring for you. House Tyrell and House Dorne are coming. All that shit's coming. All those people. Three fucking dragons, bitch. You, you can't beat her. So, and I'm not saying you can beat her if she loses her fleet in a giant epic naval battle with Euron because she still has three dragons. But I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but we haven't seen the last of Euron. We know he wants to, he, we know he's a naval commander. We know the Greyjoys are, are legendary with this. We're definitely going to see him again. I mean, dragons are always the, the X factor here, but fuck, man. You could, uh, you could, he could do some damage to to her fleet in naval conflict. We just know that in fourteen episodes, it's going to end with Danny on the Iron Throne. Yeah, we'll or see. Or it's going to end with the White Walkers killing everybody. One of the two. It's going to be wild. Depends on how dark we want to go. Where to? We have one place left to go. Go. It's north of the Wall. North of the Wall. Dear God, is this incredible or is this incredible? Let me just do a quick. Benjamin brings Mir and Bran to the wall and he can't go beyond it because the dead cannot pass and he's kind of like a little dead. He looked amazing. Yeah, he, he, he looked, looked cool. amazing. What an upgrade. Well, he's there was more light too. They saw him in the in the de- darkness. Yeah. His face, his fucking hands were black, cold it, hands. He looked fucking cool. Amazing. I made a lot of jokes about how if Bran went south of the wall and was like john john i saw uncle benjamin and john has like ptsd and freaks out but anyway benjamin brings him and then he's like see you guys later and bran says hey i'm the three-eyed raven i gotta see some shit and mira says cool i'm gonna take a nap <laughs> <laughs> like she does bye i like mira i don't know why i'm talking shit about her i know i used you to for like three seasons wow but i'm wicked change your tune i did her. of all characters her the most i did because no, you flip flop but you flip flop back and forth her yeah. you hated forever now you love that's like stannis no you flip flop back and forth back and forth back and forth yeah i hated and i loved and i hated him i might hate mira again we don't know nah, she's don't not dead so. she's not dead 
Anyway, continue. Anyway, Mira's pretty fucking cool. She's taking a nap and Bran's going to go uh, see some shit he's got to see. Wow. And here it is. Ned Stark the was The thing we all knew this episode was going to- Unbelievable reveal. Well, we thought the episode was going to end on this. I mean, everybody I know, I said, our closing scene is going to be Tower of Joy. And it wasn't in the episode, but it's going to be in this podcast. Boy, the Tower of Joy, what an incredible scene. So he gets up there. It's very heartfelt. This girl, Liana, looked like such a girl to me. She looked like a high she school kid. She super young. And oh I think God. that that made it more emotional. It made that it she looked way like more emotional. She looked like a high school kid to me. It was fucking creeping me out. Um, and, Blood everywhere. And she oh. doesn't want to die. She wants to be brave. Great, great, more uh, great young uh, acting by young Ned again. And um, he looks just like Ned. It's it's wild. The scene is so good. Now, we know that this is Rob will would kill him. Right. She says we know that for sure. If Robert finds out he'll kill him, you know, he will. You have to protect him. Promise me. Ned is what I wrote down. Yeah. So that's the stuff I definitely am certain that she said. Do you, we know that something was whispered indiscriminately? Yes. Do you and think it was maybe his real name? She probably said Snow his name like is John. Name? Okay. No, she probably said his name is John. He's Rhaegar's. Take care of him, right. basically. It's funny because I'm thinking now, I don't want to get too meta here, but I don't know of any famous Starks named John or Targaryens. It's funny that she'd come up with that name herself. You'd think she'd name him after somebody or no, maybe just no. to protect him. I don't think she would. All right. I'm, get, I'm getting too because pulled of off the on circumstance. The if she actually loved Rhaegar, which I think she did, which I think. Do well. you? That's still something I'm wondering because she's overjoyed to see Ned. There's a lot of people who think it's still her brother and she loves him. Yeah. Like she's still happy to see yeah. her brother in her dying moments. Do you think that shit child was born of passion and Yes. Yeah. Okay. I do too, actually. I, I really do. Yeah, I do too. Um and the people they have said, and we have watched the subtitles and we've rewinded, they're never gonna tell you specifically what she said. Like the whisper that you don't see. But the stuff she said specifically or close enough, if Robert finds out he'll kill him, you know he will, you have to protect him, promise me, Ned. That is a little ad-libbed but for the most part what we actually heard from her right yeah i don't know pretty wild yeah in the chat they're reminding me that john aaron was of course somebody that ned really looked up to is it possible ned just gave him that name makes sense i mean ned said he did but he he also said it was some other lady's woman and that's that's possible too that she didn't say the name but but i think she made it clear they they masked it they didn't want to protect him please and somebody in the chat i think it was not in the chat in the Facebook comments, and I think it was John Marginson, but I could be wrong. Oh, I don't actually want to quote whoever said this, but posted these quotes where they asked Jon Snow, like, if your father had to choose between family and what was right, what would he choose? And John said he would always choose what's right, mm. which is funny considering here sure. we are in this circumstance, and that's what he did. He let his wife think that he was a cheater. He let John be treated as an outsider. Because that was what was right. That was what he promised. And he thought that was the right thing to do. Yeah. And that's very sad. It is sad to protect him too in a weird fucked up way. And it's it's also fucked up that he told John he was going to tell him I about know. his mother. And then episode he died. one, I think, at the crossroads, or maybe episode two. First two episodes, he tells him when they part company forever. Boy, what a fucking heartstring that is. I, I'm just so glad that we have this reveal, which we have all been talking about and wondering and. And I like that they weren't just like, I like that Liana wasn't like, this is John. He's my son. Like, well, I like that we get the whispers. If Robert finds out, it will kill him. Mm. And we look into the eyes and then we cut to John. Awesome. I love the way that they did it. Where it wasn't like, 
let us explain this to you step by step so that you don't get mad at us. Because you know there's going to be some idiot who's like, no, it's not really No, that. it's him. No, no, no. It's fucking him, guys. Yeah. It's, it's him. him. And again, we all knew that this was the truth, but having it out there. And no fuckery. It, is so incredible and it, it, it's what makes Game of Thrones a great show. They have so much shit to do and so much story to tell. They don't have to fuck with us about this any longer. It's time. And the fact that we waited until this moment doesn't feel like they dragged it out. I don't feel like they've ever dragged anything out in the show. I feel like everything has been in a reasonable manner of time. Like even Jon Snow coming back to life. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be like maybe episode three, the end of episode three. And they, they were ahead on that. You know what I mean? They've never fallen into that trap that TV shows fall into. Right. Where they let things drag on for longer than need be. Everything is in the perfect amount of dramatic timing. Awesome. They, they really have figured it out here. In Song of Ice and Fire, eh? Targaryen Stark. And I don't know if John and Danny are going to work together. I don't know if John is going to somehow beat Danny because he is both. I don't think so. I think we're going to... I'm talking about the end of the series now. So I'm yeah. getting a little crazy. Let's get moving. But... That makes Danny his aunt, <laughs> right? Danny is Eris's kid. Yeah. And he's Rhaegar's kid. And yeah. Rhaegar... Yeah. Yeah. So Danny's his aunt. <laughs> Auntie Danny. Isn't that cute? So they could bang. That's cool. Based on Westeros laws. <laughs> Jamie would Jamie laws. would give him the nod. So what's next? The Deadpool. Awesome. Well, that's the episode. Thank you guys for battling through with us. We wanted to give you a lot of content for the last episode because it's going to be a long time before we uh, talk about Game of Thrones again. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. We're going to do some fun stuff. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. We got a couple ideas depending on timing that we want to have in the mix. I uh, have an idea for something we might do. Stay but tuned. We'll but, talk um, about that later. All right. So why don't we get to our Deadpool results Great. And uh, please explain what the Deadpool is, the Deadpool, how it ended, and make sure you thank you-know-who. The Deadpool is something that Dean and I started in our preview podcast where we drafted characters we thought we were going to die. I regret this every day because it was spur of the moment, and I did not put a lot of thought into it. But despite my regret, well, we'll get there. Anyway, once we had our Deadpool, listeners were interested in doing a Deadpool as well. So we got everybody on board and everybody put in their five people they thought were going to die this season. And Dean and I, being horrible, lazy hosts that we are, we did not keep good track of it. But someone named Jonathan Marginson did. He kept track of all the Deadpool. He sent me Excel spreadsheets every week. He made a website on, well, not a website. We have a website. He added to it. And not just any web page. Like, you know, it's he went in incredible. there. And- he fucking coded it and he made buttons and shit. And it was, he didn't have to take all this time that he took to do this shit. So, John, thank you very much, man. And here's what I'm going to do for you, John. Oh. Cersei's evil as fuck. That's my thank you to you, John. Continue. So, at the end, there were some ties for certain things. Two important things. Who wins first place and who wins between me and Dean. So, we're going to go by John's rules here. So, I'm going to say what they are. John's rules for who wins at the end if there is a tie. Why don't we get us out of the way? And oh, then we'll we're going to do this first. Winners. I'm going to explain, and then I'm going to tell us, and then the real winners. 22 minutes left in the live feed, just so you know. We're going to have to restart. No, we're not. We got this. Mm, listener comments. No, we don't. So, his, if we have to verify and decide who wins in the case of a tie, number one was episode death order. So, whoever got to that number the fastest by episode, 
then it was character death order in a given episode because we had a ton of people die in the sept. So basically, whoever got to your number the fastest. Dean and I, I'm going to do quickly. I had Jorah Mormont, Loris Tyrell, Marjorie Tyrell, Tyrell, Lance Lannister, and Ilaria Sand. Dean had Tommen, Melisandre, the High Sparrow, Ramsey, and Theon. Dean and I both had three people die in our Deadpools. I got to three first. So I... I thought you said I won. No, 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 I win. I got to three first. Oh, okay. Because Loris, Marjorie, and Lancel died before the High Sparrow, Ramsey, and Tommen died. Fair enough. So I win. Congrats. I win. Congrats. Let's not forget about that Sam Tarley bet. I can't wait for that shit. <laughs> Me neither. Anyway. Uh, let's move on to the real winners instead of us had, sucking each other's dicks here. We had three people who got all five correct in their Deadpool. And same rules. Whoever got their five people to die first. But I'm going to give you all three. In third place, who got all five of his people to death was Steve Renault. What? In second place, who got all five of her people to death was Kelly Beam. Nice work. And in first place, who got all five of her people to death faster than anyone else was Christina Brown. Christina Brown coming in hot at number one. Christina, Steve, and Kelly. Oh, let me say it in order. So congrats to Christina. Congrats congrats to Kelly. Kelly, And congrats to Steve. Good shit. So what are we doing for them? Jessica, do you know? We're going to send the top three who are... Actually, all the winners. One just is a better winner than the rest. <laughs> Christina is the better winner of She's the, the three. She's the best winner. But you guys are all winners. But you're all winners. It's trophy generation. Y'all get prizes. So we're going to send all three of you something incredible. Something that I drank wine out of for this entire podcast. And what is it that we're going to send Our them? LSU Media Game of Thrones podcast mug. Also Woo-hoo! made by Jonathan Marginson. Yeah, baby. This mug kicks ass. Awesome. Well, there you have it. Congratulations. You guys are going to all get mugs. And here's a wrinkle. You ready? Oh, go. I have a I have a I have a special bonus for Christina <gasps> that I didn't tell anybody about. Ooh, she deserves it. She did win. She's the best winner. Christina, for winning, I am going to give you a 100% off coupon for a <gasps> bounty of your choice. Damn. That's a great prize. Yeah, it's worth 205 bucks. Better I know. Be a great prize. Holy so, shit. Christina. I'm, I hope I win the Deadpool next season. <laughs> Christina, I am giving you a bounty. If you don't know what that is, you got to go to the store at LibertyStreetGeek.net. We do bounties on our science fiction film podcast, which means you can pick a movie for us to cover. Or two episodes of television. For the right price. Uh, that has a price. Uh, uh, our donors get discounts off of that. But we're going to give you a 100% off coupon. I will I will uh, get you that coupon uh, by way of email. So I need you to email me, Christina, hosts at LibertyStreetGeek.net. That's hosts at LibertyStreetGeek.net. You need to email us. In fact, all three of the winners need to email me your mailing addresses. Hosts at LibertyStreetGeek.net. And I will be in communication with you regarding your prizes Christina, I will tell you what your coupon code will be. I will activate one in the store. I will have it active for 30 days. So you got 30 days to use it. If you don't, you lose. So you got 30 days to use your 100% off of one bounty coupon. And um, you can uh, pick a fucking movie, baby. And thank you to everybody who participated in the Deadpool. It was a lot of fun. Um, We're definitely going to do it again next season. My Deadpool is going to be way better because I'll be way more organized. But awesome. This was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. 
Guys, we had a blast. We're going to wrap things up with some listener comments that Jessica organized. We got 18 minutes. Let's get cracking. Oh, if we can, but okay. So I went on the comment page and I tried to pick a few comments for Dean and I to read and I couldn't because they were all so good. So instead, I organized a shit ton of comments and we're going to read them all. Hopefully, if we have time. Boom. So they're kind of organized in general. I'm going to start and I'm going to read all of mine first. There's a lot. Here we go. People's initial reactions to the episode. Damaris Perez. I'm speechless. Tony Piccolo. The immortal (laughs) words of Samuel Tarley. Oh, my. Oh, my. In regards to the director of the episode, Marcus Patrick Thompson. The director of episodes nine and ten needs to direct every episode. John Marginson. Seriously, can Miguel Sapochnik direct the remainder of the series? Every time this guy shows up, the episode is utter balls. And not just any balls. Colossal balls filled with the most potent baby juice. Mm. Carlos Fredo says, I don't care if Miguel Sapochnik directs the next Rob Schneider movie. I'm watching it. These past two episodes are the best movie I've seen in ages. Awesome. Moving on to people's opinion on Cersei, King's Landing, and all of that. Kelly A. Beam, second place in the Deadpool. So yeah, Cersei Dunn did it. Just blew up the sept and everyone in it. What do we call this event? The Green Trial? Of mm. course, it had the unintended consequence of Tommen taking a flying leap. And so the king landed somewhere below. Nice. Sam Spade says, this was epic. I mean, Cersei mass murdering a shitload of people was amazing. And Tommen can't even die without looking lame. But it's okay. Cersei looked ravishing. And Pycelle <laughs> gets the shit stabbed out of him by the children of the corn. That will never not <laughs> that will never not be a reference for murderous little kids. Malachi. Matthew Van Diver says, Hey, did Cersei just invent the soon to be popular torture of wineboarding? Maria Kirby says, A small part of me sides with Cersei in the killing of killing of Queen Marjorie. <laughs> Sorry, Maria, Evil to sell you bitch. out. A younger woman has come to her house, marries her son, is widowed, <laughs> seduces yes. the youngest. Marjorie can't come in and take over just because she has young perky boobs. <laughs> Sorry. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Bye bye, bitch. <coughs> Lori Browse says when the look passed between Cersei and Jamie at the end, I get the distinct feeling that this is where they become enemies. Um, and I have another brief Tony Pickle, not brief Tony Piccolo, but another Tony Piccolo comment. The story has now set up the believable possibility for Jamie to kill Cersei. She has done exactly what he killed the Mad King to prevent. Wildfire detonates within King's Landing. The fact that she has now proclaimed herself the queen only further supports that she has become what the Mad King once was. Then I have a couple of comments in a row. Michael Hilger said, Cersei Lannister's outfit easily made her the most intimidating character in the entire episode. And Marcos Pierre Rios added, at first I thought maybe it was a fireproof outfit she had made. She looks like fucking Kylo Ren. Awesome. Um, I have a couple more brief ones. Chris Munt says, am I wrong in thinking Sansa was not thrilled with all the King of the North talk? I feel like her face noticeably changed at the end of Young Lady Mormont's speech. Hashtag salty. And then a couple in a row. Maria Kirby said, I want to be Lyanna Mormont when I grow up. And Benjamin Baker said, I never wanted kids until I saw her. Boom. Drops Mike. I am uh, editing this down. So here are the fucking most hilarious ones Ugh, on here. I had so many good ones. Here we go. Uh, first, I do want to say, uh, I want to just quickly mention Jesse Ellis's comment. He says, the, this hour of television made me feel a wider range of emotions than any other in memory. Shock at Tommen's suicide, Marjorie's death and Cersei's crowning rage and empathy during Davos's confrontation with Melisandre. Awe at the scope and scale of Danny's invasion. Surprise and satisfaction at Walter Frey's death and Arya's training paying off. That was unexpected. 
Amusement at Olena Tyrell meeting in Dorne. Foreboding at Littlefinger's reaction to his plan failing? Question mark. Fulfillment at learning uh, the truth we all suspected about John's heritage. Awesome shit. And here's a couple of quick hitters that are just too good not to mention. Fiona Ward. Did Benjamin just come back to drop Bran off at the wall? What is he, Uber? <laughs> <laughs> I like that one a lot. John Bucket. Nice to see Danny giving Tyrion a hand job. Nice work. And then finally, Ed Ippolito. A lot of people have been questioning how Varys got back from Dorne so fast. People forget he has nothing going on down below, so that eliminates drag. He also is bald, and it really cuts down on that wind shear. <laughs> good shit. There were some really, really good comments, awesome. guys. Thank you guys for your comments all season. They've been fucking fabulous. I appreciate it. Thanks for hanging out. Uh, gave, you a lot, gave you a lot of content tonight, so hopefully you enjoy it, especially that middle part there where we yell at each other about evil. And um, we are going to wrap with our final thoughts. Jessica, you go, because I'm going to be very succinct this evening. I don't know if I can be succinct, which is why I want to discuss possibly doing a podcast in a week or so with listener comments and just our predictions, kind of, and our thoughts of the season overall. Just throwing it out there now. I'm going to get in trouble, and this is going to get edited out. No, it's not. I love this episode. This was a fucking great finale. Again, I have said before that I have a favorite episode of Game of Thrones going forward into this moment, which is the children where Tyrion kills Tywin. Um, that to me for since it aired has been my favorite episode of game of Thrones and nothing has even come close, including great episodes like hard home, like the battle of the bastards, these really great battle episodes and things. This episode really gives it a run for its money. And I, in a year, if I still feel the same way, it may take over as my favorite episode of game of Thrones ever. This is better than anything else on TV. People who don't watch Game of Thrones are really, really missing out because this is the best thing that's on television. There's nothing that is better. Watch it. Like, I don't know what else to say. You guys all watch it. Fucking tell your friends to watch it. I tell everybody to watch it every day of my life. And that's all I have to say about it. This, it does not get better than this. This is better than most movies. I like it. All right. Here's what I'm going to say about this episode. I think you guys know how I feel about it. This is one of the finest uses of music I've seen in television in a long time. Sapochnik, give the man a fucking award. Uh, this was some great television. Incredible. Now on to the other part. Our characters have a lot of blood on their hands. A lot of them, if not all of them. And guys, it's largely intellectual masturbation when I fuck around and talk about ethics and I get cute with logic and, and all that stuff. I'm... I'm I'm, I'm fucking around. There's some partial truths there. I'm not going to lie to you, but I get it. Cersei's got a lot of fucking blood on her hands and she's not a good person. I'm on your side, okay? So don't hate me. And finally, holy shit, Danny's force is going to do a shitload of damage and I'm really looking forward to it. Wow. I can't wait for the next season, even though I'm going to have to. Uh, it's, it's, I'm going to miss talking about Game of Thrones Full reveal, full transparency here. We considered maybe some kind of book club. I don't know if we're going to have time or be able to make that happen because we have a couple other projects that mm -hmm. we're working on. So I don't know. It depends. It depends on that. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how the other project goes and how much time it takes. In the chat, Adam Talbot said we should probably pick our, our Deadpool soon. And I think that's a really good idea. I think maybe if we do this podcast, I'm suggesting we should do it then. Okay. Well, what is that? The podcast I suggested? Yeah. I think we should do a final wrap on the whole season, predictions for next year, some listener comments, give it a week to marinate and um and jump on and bang it out and yeah, announce thing, Deadpool picks. Yeah, the thing I just said. All I right. think we should do that. Yeah, I'm I'm down with that. So 
we we need to get a hold of Marginson. Which, yep, and we which need we to tell do. listeners. So if you're all listening to this podcast, if you want to participate in next season's Deadpool, we're not going to wait for this bullshit where pictures from next season come right. out. You got to pick no your bullshit. people now. No fucking no red four chapters fuckery picking characters out of the blue. Um, I think we should. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And and we should probably look at maybe throwing a wrinkle in there in terms of how many people you can pick. Maybe we add more, like you said, just to make it a the the the. the Although this worked out well with only three people. It's true. But we're going to have more in the Deadpool. So something yeah. considered. But we don't need to figure this out on the air. I think you and I should only pick five because we don't pick the same people. And maybe everybody else can pick more. Well, yeah. we'll figure it out. And, we, and we, we need to we need to tap John on the shoulder and ask him what he thinks because he obviously Agreed. has expertise here. So we are going to bid you good people to do. Thanks for making it happen. Last week when I asked you guys to rate and review the show on iTunes, I got like 15 reviews in like two days. So thank you so much. That was very kind of you. Uh, we couldn't do the show without you. Uh, if you like what you hear, consider joining the Illuminati, which is essentially like Patreon. You can check it out on the website and uh, ensure that all of our podcasts continue to go and to continue to grow. And um, that's it. Thanks, guys. It was a blast. We love you. We will see you soon. Listen to our other shows because, you know, they're fun too. Anything else? I think that's it. Good night. Bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for checking out LSG Media's coverage of A Game of Thrones. Make sure you check us out on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net, where you can see other shows we have like The Walking Dead and the Science Fiction Film Podcast. All right, folks, we will catch you next week. Have a good one. Can I open my present? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so... We're going to have to put this at the back of the episode. Yeah, the I figured just put it at post-credits. So here's the deal. My Uncle Mike listens to the show. Hold on. Let me kill the AC. Oh, here, I put the AC back on. Whoops. All right. So my Uncle Mike decided that he wanted to get Jessica a little present. And because uh, uh, he's been jibing at her uh, while she's been doing this and she's firing back. And now he got her a peace offering, which is a good move. He's a smart man. And uh, you have it in your lap. You have yet to open it. Nope, I've just been popping the bubble wrap. Unfortunately, this is not a video podcast yet. You're on fucking Thin Ice Mixler. You can record me if you want. Uh, mm, no, we save that for uh, for the bedroom. <laughs> no, but um, so oh you're God. being you're being um, you're being recorded audio. So let's go ahead and describe what we're doing, like storytellers. So okay. currently, guys, I have a box in front of me. I've already opened the box, and there's something inside wrapped in bubble wrap, and I'm gonna take that out. Do me a favor though. I'm Don't pop that bubble wrap because it'll make me want to kill you. Oh, God. Murder. Murder. I'm unwrapping bubble wrap. Mm-hmm. And it is, I don't even, I know, I think oh I. <laughs> what is it? Oh, shit. It's a really, really fancy um, hound action figure from a legacy collection, apparently. Like, there not, you go. it's Funko Pop, but it's not one of those silly ones. This is a nice one. There you go. The hound. He said, now you have another boyfriend. Thank that you, was- Uncle Mike. He knows who I am. <laughs> That was his message to you. Now you have another boyfriend. Oh, God, I gotta take a picture of this bad boy. There you go. Baboosh.